You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast. We're at season 11, episode 35. I'm John and joined tonight by regular Josh. How are you doing? Hello, 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 John. How are you doing? I'm good. It's good to so see you. Mate. I could see you as well. I no one else will see us, which is probably for the rest. Uh, well, we might come into that in a wee bit. Um, there, there have been there have been a couple of call offs tonight, and uh, the the excuses were absolutely shocking. I must say, uh, but well, I suppose we'll come to that, won't we? Well, we could we could go straight away. Like, like, I mean, let's get torn in straight away. I mean, after me listening back to the podcast from Wednesday, the Euros throwback. Uh, I was getting thrown under the bus pretty early doors about, about being the second best, John, on the uh, podcast. John, come on. Come on now. Come on, you. You know, you know it's, uh, what, what, once, the, once the spotlight's on you, you've got to put on a performance. And that's well, exactly what that was. Do you know? Uh, I, I don't think it was you that said it. I think it was another, John, to be fair. I no, thought it was, we were equal. No, it was definitely me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Um, it's regular, Josh. It's just leaving the podcast. Um, right, so we have another... Are you all right there, Josh? That's what you get for being nasty to me. What, it's not COVID, is it? Oh, he's gone, right. Josh is struggling. Hopefully I'll be back for the, later on. Um, so we have another new regular, uh, which ties in nicely with tonight in terms of the special that we're going to do. Um, he's actually probably been on more than some of the regulars namely Donald and Ross, we'll, we'll call them out uh, straight away for various reasons. Jeff, how you doing? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad yourself. Hi, good day. I think we did allude <laughs> to that last time you were on, that you were more regular than some of the regulars. Uh, we made the dig at, uh, we made the dig at Ross, to be fair, so, you know, just keep the digs going. <laughs> aye. We like Ross, but aye, he, he'll appreciate that one as well, I'm sure, uh, as will Donald. Um, so, yeah, I think we actually worked out you'd almost had more appearances than the two of them combined actually last season. Uh, yeah, yeah. By the end of next, by the end of next week, I will have I. <laughs> aye, exactly. Aye. Um, so going good. The book going well. First of all, the book. Yeah, keep buying it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you keep yeah. buying it. Yeah, please keep buying it. Everyone just keep buying it. Keep buying it. Even if you've got one copy, just buy you know three or four extra spares in case you lose one. Lose one on the bus. Lose one on the train. Lose one in uni. You'll be fine. Um, no, the sales are going surprisingly well. They're uh, you know, I was quite impressed how well it went. Especially humbled that anyone who's listening who bought a signed copy because I was super, genuinely shocked at how many people were were after signed copies. I didn't think my signature was worth that much, but we'll see how many dodgy bank accounts get opened up with my signature over the next few weeks. So, aye, it's a bit weird, isn't it? Like signature things like nowadays. Like I asked to sign something recently, and I was like, "It's going to be up signing stuff," because you're so used to like just with our contactless payment. Just here you go. I don't even th- I do think my card is signed. A contactless card. When I used to always have to sign your bank card. <laughs> I, it's uh, it's just weird, isn't it? These days, having something that you're know, something someone signed. It's just, it does generally feel like a throwback to a bygone era, so we say. <laughs> ah, exactly. And I believe it's on Kendo now as well. Yeah, that was a surprise. Thanks to Josh for finding that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's on Kindle. I only signed off the Kindle copy a few weeks ago, and uh, then it appeared within days. So. Yeah, it's on Kindle. Please buy the hard copy instead, though, because the royalties are better. Uh, ah, yeah. yeah. Everyone um, likes a, something hard, don't they? 
Uh, it's more of an achievement to finish off on a, a hardback book than it is a Kindle, no matter what anyone says. You feel like you've achieved something putting down a book. Yeah. Well, I think back to like when I go on holiday. Remember, you used to go on holidays abroad, like and you'd be lying by your pool or something like that, or doing whatever. You can't, you can't sit with a tablet all day reading it. Nah, you get a headache, wouldn't you? It's good that it's on Kindle. I think it's on Apple Books as well over the next couple of weeks, if anyone uses that who doesn't use Kindle. Um, both, you know, as bad as each other. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's on Kindle. It's in most bookshops. I found it at Waterstones the other day on Argyle Street, and that was surreal. So yeah, it's, uh, it's out, and hope everyone enjoys it. And my second book's out next year at some point. <laughs> I don't know where you find the time. I don't know where you find the time between everything else, but ah, uh, you're good, all good. We'll come back to it later on if folk are wanting Christmas presents. Basically, buy Jeff's book, Scotland's Lost Clubs. You can get it loads of retailers. I've got it. Genuinely, I've started it. I've not managed to continue with it because I've been busy doing uh, work and uh, uni work um, as well. So, uh, so we have a guest on this evening, returning guest, Dr. Grant. How are you doing? Really well, John. Thanks for inviting us back onto the show. Um, you guys are really going up in the world in the last few months. It's been absolutely fantastic to see your progress, and it's a real privilege and a pleasure to be here. I Likewise, it's a privilege to get you back on. I think we have been trying for a while, to be fair, but you sometimes record a Monday night as well, don't you? Yeah, I usually do record uh, my sort of normal podcast, Campbell's Foobles, uh, on a Monday night usually, um, but Thankfully, you've uh, managed to catch me at a good point because I've actually taken a little bit of a break before we head into our, what is going to be a really busy 2022 for the podcast, which I'm sure we'll maybe want to talk about later on. But yeah, really exciting times. Um, but yeah, this is a really good time to, to chat about things, all things uh, football, as always. It definitely is. And as I said earlier, we've got a wee special tonight and it ties in very nicely because we've got a, well, we're calling it an all-Ireland special. Now, don't shoot me. It's North, South, Republic, whatever you want to call it. We are putting the Irish influence on Scottish football together, okay? So, you're an expert, Grant, on the North side of things. Mm-hmm. Jeff? Yep. You like your Irish football? Yeah, yeah, I've got a podcast on the South of Irish football. South of Ireland. Republic of Ireland, depending on your political stance. We <laughs> <laughs> cover all bases. <laughs> so, we've got both bases covered and Josh you are a fan of some football in the south part of Ireland I John I've just got to say I mean I just uh, I just think Bo's a, a, a great club they're a great club but you know I um, I got into Bo's a wee bit uh, following uh, th- through family uh, a lot of my family members are Bo's fans from Dublin and uh, I kind of, you know, I just started following them a wee bit, found out, you know, they're a really great fan-owned club. Uh, went over there uh, just the other month for the um, FAI Cup final. The, so that, that's the equivalent of the, of the Scottish Cup in Ireland. Um, and, uh, yeah, between Bose and St. Pat's, it was absolutely outstanding. If I, can, if, we, if I can sum it up in one sentence, it would maybe I could... It was, it was like, it was just real football and real, you know. There was no glitz and glam. It was just, you know, forty thousand football fans in it. It's what I imagined football would have been like in the eighties. Do you know? It was just brilliant. 
Forty thousand considered a pretty good crowd as well, isn't it, for Ireland in terms yeah. of any game? Definitely, was... definitely, definitely. And so, sorry, sorry, Jeff, but I'm going to whip out my stat right now, right? Uh, because this is something that my cousin enlightened me to when I was there, right? And and I'd never actually, you know, I'd never I'd never looked at, um, you know, all the league clubs of of the top flight of Ireland on a map, and he was telling me that next season, um, in the league, was, uh, the ten teams, eight of them are going to be are from Dublin. One's from Dundalk, which is about half an hour north of um, Dublin, and the other one's from Drogheda, which is also about half an hour north of Dublin. It's just mad. Yeah, next season, um, within the, the furthest south team in Ireland will be Shamrock Rovers in Tala, it's south of Dublin. Outside of that, you've got Derry, Sligo, and Finn Harps, who are northwest, uh, Dundalk and Drogheda, uh, and then the rest of it is UCD, Shells, and Pats, Bowes, and Rovers. Um, However, if you look at the first division next season, that's a lot more spread, which is a good thing. But, uh, yeah, League of Ireland, one of the League of Ireland's many, many, many faults is the fact that it's incredibly Dublin-based and very little is done to try and spread it around uh, around Ireland. I was working at, that, uh, at the FAI Cup final and... Um, yeah, from where we were in the press box, it was, it, it was incredibly, it, it, it was, I was speaking to um, Eamon, Hall, uh, Eamon Hughes, who works for RTE, and he was saying it's the best ever cup final, one of the best cup finals he's ever seen since the days when it was being played at Tolkien, uh, Daily Mount. It's the best atmosphere he's felt at the Aviva, pretty much since it's been built, to be honest. Um, he doesn't cover rugby, though, I should have. <laughs> so I don't know what it's like for rugby games. But yeah, he was saying it's the best, domestically anyway, one of the best atmospheres he's seen in quite a long time. Like, it was a Dublin derby, so. <laughs> Is there a reason then why the Dublin teams dominate? Because like, in Scotland, we talk about like, the Central Belt, the West, dominating the kind of top leagues. But for to eight teams from one city to be in the top flight, that seems mental. Uh, it's, 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 to be fair, it's five teams from the one city. Dundalk and Rada are from just north of Dublin. Um, yeah, it, it is incredibly... I think it's partly populist purposes, like out with three clubs, realistically, no other teams are full-time. There's a few hybrid models, like there is with Brave Rovers in Scotland. Um, but I think it's mostly the bigger clubs are hung to where the, the bigger popula- their populations are. I mean, um, also you've got to bear in mind that places like Waterford... And Cork, who do have um, very sizable populations, part of the issue for them is the clubs are badly run, is the best way to describe it. I mean, Cork, you take Cork, for example, and Cork as a city, I should add. Uh, if you take Cork as a city, you are looking at since uh, 1921 when the, the League of Ireland was formed, you're talking eight teams have played in Cork that have existed and gone bust, existed and gone bust over the years, ending at the minute with Cork City, who are uh, <laughs> mental, to say the least, at the moment. Um, their ownership is all over the place, uh, and this has been a consistent feature of Cork in particular. Waterford are the same. Um, you got Waterford now, it used to be Waterford United. They, are, they change hands regularly. A lot of clubs in Ireland will change hands on a 
incredibly regular basis. I mean, last season alone, there were two clubs in the top flight who were taking over uh, in the form of Dundalk and in the form of Watford. Uh, it's also, you get in Ireland quite a lot. I don't know if anyone remembers. There's a team called Sport and Fingal that existed around 2008, 2010, 11 time. Uh, they got into Europe. However, they were a flash in the pan, uh, flash in the pan side that played uh, uh, in Swords in, in Dublin. Uh, they got through, played the European time, went bust about six months later. So it's just, it's there's a multitude of reasons. You don't get many clubs last particularly long time. The ones that do are the ones that we see in the top flight at the moment. And then we've got things like the Bray Cavantini story of this season alone, um, which is insane. We've got Treaty United, who were only admitted into the league three weeks before kickoff of the season and had physically no team. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I think part of the reason is a complete... Whenever anyone says that the SFA are badly run, they really need to go take a look at the FAI and then they can come back and have a, have a good laugh because the League of Ireland was separate to the early 2000s. They then were absorbed by the FAI to help finance the, the league. Um, and since then, the league's uh, publicity has got worse and worse. Josh might be able to vouch for this, but last season um, with COVID, there was a thing called League of Ireland TV, LOI TV. It was available. You could stream it. Absolutely nobody, and I even mean people in Ireland, did not know that this thing existed. They marketed it absolutely brutally. I mean, <laughs> Neil Doncaster's bad, but even he's not that bad. Um, so, yeah, there are multiple problems. <laughs> Jeff, my, it's funny you say that because because when I was when I was talking to my, my uh, some of my family members when I was over there, um, they, they said the same thing about the the. Uh, TV was it League of Ireland TV? It was called. Yes, yeah, so we had two. We had one called um, at the start called uh, League of Ireland TV, mm-hmm. which was RTE were basically providing the cameras and the, the, the stuff behind it. And then in the mid-season break, no one knew what was going on because it sim- sim- simply ceased to exist. And then it came back as Alawai TV, which if anyone is interested in Irish football. There's a YouTube channel called Alloy TV that has existed for the best part of eight years. <laughs> and not only did it provide a very good content, they got they received a cease and desist letter off uh, the FAI to tell them to stop using that name because they were going to use it for their TV subscription system that they never mentioned to anyone. I think it went live and you could buy subscriptions, but it was only, forgive me, I think it was like 48 hours before the first game was due to kick off. So... They'd split it in two over the season and they had absolutely no idea what they were going to do past June. It got to June, realised that COVID restrictions weren't changing and then fumbled this new subscription service out the window. Um, which, like I say, it lost all its RTE backing and it just must have watched a couple of the Dublin... There's one Dublin derby that was at Daily Mount where the production was genuinely embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best way to describe it. It was absolutely production, terrible. The production values are, are terrible, and and I know that's that's one thing that um, I know that's one thing that the fans really hate. And but I mean, yeah, it, but I mean, there's so many positives about about um, you know, if the FAI and, and the the Republic of Ireland football league, it's just so when you watch when you watch it on TV. I mean, places like Daily Mount, which is the the home which is the home of Bowes for the listeners. Um, it's it's only holds about it only holds three thousand, but it's the, the you know the, the atmosphere at it is incredible, and it's the same right across the the, the league. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, this is the thing. Is that, like, I know that obviously we've just given it five minutes worth of a kicking, but it's generally not. <laughs> I love I, I love League of Ireland. I genuinely I absolutely adore going going and watching it. I, I enjoy watching it. I think the quality of football that you get is is phenomenal. I think the fact that it's a summer league and it's uh, without sounding utterly terrible, it's an English speaking league as well that is on effectively our time zone as well. So it's not like you're watching it nine o'clock in the morning like Australian football or anything like that. It's, it's available on a Friday night when we don't really have much football on a Friday night in the summer. <laughs> um, the quality of football is genuinely quite good. I mean, the players that we've got written down that we'll go into later are all recognisable names. The quality is genuinely a lot better than people would ever allow you to think it was. The problem with it is, is that it's marketed so poorly. And I think that's really the big detriment of, of uh, League of Ireland in particular. I know for for Grant, for, for Northern Ireland, it's not a it's not much better. But um, yeah, League of Ireland, I think everyone in Scotland would enjoy it if they want, if they gave it the chance. And the, the the teams are, as we'll go into, intrinsically in a lot of cases connected to Scotland through historical purposes or, or, or more modern reasons. Or we can we can empathise with their struggles. We we understand. I mean, take Dynamount for example. Dynamount is. It is a great old stadium, but half of it's condemned, and it's just they just cannot ever raise. It's not so much on bulls, but like they can't raise the money, or they're restricted in raising the money. Uh, shells when we go on about Tolker in a bit. Uh, Tolker's the same. Tolker Park it should be <laughs> it should be a lot more respected than it is. Um, and then we end up with places like Tala, which is effectively a bit like St Millen. <laughs> It's just sort of a, a, a flat pack stadium, if you want. Um, and then we get places like uh, the Brandywell, which is uh, everyone everyone who's ever been to the Brandywell has loved the Brandywell. I don't know anyone who's ever been there and not enjoyed it, except for Linfield fans. Um, <laughs> everyone, everyone else enjoys it. So, yeah, it's, it's intriguing, it's connected, and we can empathise with the problems, especially if you're a supporter of a, a lower league side in particular. Like, it's just, I think by us doing stuff like this, it raises the profile. The problem is it's, it's a summer league. And I think if anyone ever in Scotland says, oh, we should go to summer football, honestly, go watch League of Ireland and then come back and tell me it's a good idea. Because it's not. <laughs> it just simply isn't. You've yourself in, Grant. So, obviously you prefer covering the North of Ireland football. Though you do have some knowledge of the south side of things, you got a team you like or a preference for anyone? Um, in what sense, the the north, Northern Irish, or the south, or, or the, south, the Republic? The south. Aye, the um, Republic no, no, no real, no real preference to the Republic, to be honest. Um, you know, I I, I keep a, a close watch on the sides that are in Europe. Um, you know, particularly where Scottish-based players have gone to in the past. You know, people like Paddy McCourt, for example, when he went to Derry. You know, very, very good player, obviously, technically in the Scottish game. Had a bit of a spell in Northern Ireland and then obviously uh, went across to, to Derry. Um, I also followed Shamrock for a small period of time because of the Alan Manis story. Obviously, he was at St. Johnson. You know, was was on the books at Linfield for many, many years. And then, of course, travelled over to, to Shamrock, where I believe he's still very much doing very well in goal. Um, yeah. There was some, some very good players over the years. I kind of follow where the Scottish-based players go to certain clubs. You know, it's the sort of same in uh, in Northern Ireland. You know, I think one of the things that really intrigued my interest is 
the story of people like Niall McGinn at Aberdeen, who started off at Dugan and Swifts. You know, that really is a, a very interesting story itself. Liam Donnelly at Motherwell is exactly the same. And then on the flip side, you see Scottish based players going over to Northern Ireland to test their hand. You only have to look very recently at Rowan Ferguson, who was on the books of Queen of the South, um, went to play for Linfield, won a title with Linfield, played uh, in the Europa League uh, or qualifiers with Linfield, very nearly guided Linfield to the the group stages of the Europa League. Um, And then we obviously at Larne. There's a few interesting base players in there as well. Sam Roscoe, who was on the books at Air United and and Aberdeen, is in that Linfield defence at the moment. Um, I think it's very exciting. Luke Turner, um, you know, is was on the books of Aberdeen. He's now one of the first choice centre halves at Cliftonville. So I think it's interesting to see the dynamics of that. So to go back to your question, I don't follow a club directly because, to be honest, I think it's nice to do that to just sort of float on the outskirts and just see what everybody else is doing. Um, you know, I'm really impressed uh, with a lot of the Belfast sides, you know, Glenn Torin are, are, are really aspiring to get back to where they were in the early 2000s. Those battles with Linfield over the years, Cliftonville are beginning to be the force again that they were in the 2010s. Crusaders uh, are a very good side. Those Belfast quartet, very, very strong sides. I think Larne have come in and, and really kind of boosted the kind of coverage of the Northern Irish game, backed by Kenny Bruce, the former owner of Purple Bricks, you may remember. Um, very, very respected guy in business. Um, he's certainly got grand aspirations to get Larn uh, battling towards the, the top echelons of Northern Irish League football. And, you know, they went full-time. It's been a very ambitious project at Larn. They were County Antrim Shield winners. They've been in the Irish Cup final. They did very well in the Europa Conference League qualification this year. Um, they're a very respected club uh, and going on the rise and, and Cool Rain, let's not forget about Cool Rain because they're an interesting story in themselves because Oren Kearney uh, managed in Scottish football for a period of time with St Mirren um, did a very astute job with Cool Rain first time round, won the Irish Cup, came within a whisker of winning the Irish League title in I think it was 2018-19 where they narrowly lost to a very strong Crusaders team um, obviously came to Scotland, kept St Mirren up, went back to Coleraine, won the League Cup with that side, got them into Europe again. They beat Maribor. They very nearly beat Motherwell. They're a very, very good side. And they, they always, always very much do well against the so-called full-time teams. But they are aspiring to be very progressive as well. They just laid down a new 4G surface in the summer. And that's going to be a bit of a game changer for that club. But one thing I want to say just very quickly about the Northern Irish game is it's not always about the big teams. It's about a lot of the smaller provincial clubs as well. And the clubs that are really aspiring to kind of make it a competitive top flight and in the championship as well, which is very, very uh, good to watch as well. Let's not forget, you know, Glenavon on their day, the Lurgan Blues are a very, very competent team. You know, full of uh, some really good players over the years. Uh, a couple of Scottish-based players over the years were there. Jonathan Tuffy, who was goalkeeper at Party Thistle and at, and at Linfield, was there now at Crusaders, very good keeper. You've got a lot of players who were in a title-winning team with Linfield have gone to, to Glenavon. They've got a lot of young players there as well. They're a very exciting team to watch under Gary Hamilton. Uh, very, very good coach as well. Balamina, um, another respected club in that division, managed by one of the legends of the Irish League game, Mr. David Jeffrey, MBE, absolute icon of the game, won everything there is in the game with Linfield. 
but also has uh, won a League Cup with Balomina. And, you know, just recently they had a very good win on Friday night against Larne 2-1, which was a tremendous result for them. And they're beginning to pick up form after a slow start. And then you have a sort of a, a quartet of teams. I, I, I hate to say the wrong end of the table, but they're they're in that area of the table because it's such a competitive league. But they're on their day there. You have to beat them to 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 make sure that you can aspire to, to win trophies and things like that. Carrick Rangers have been outstanding to keep an eye on this year, managed by Stuart King, who has had a tremendous uh, career in the game, was on the books at Ross County, played in the English League, um, obviously was on the books at Linfield and Larne as well. Very, very aspiring young coach, very determined guy, and just a breath of fresh air to the game. You've got Dungannon, who I mentioned earlier on. Dean Shields has gone there to manage, obviously, Kenny's son, uh, Oren Kearney's brother-in-law. It's very, very excited to see that dynamic as well, which is quite good. And then you've got Pora Down, who over the years, very successful team under Ronnie McFall, uh, obviously dropped out of the, the, cha- uh, the premiership into the championship. And it's taken them a long time, but they're now back in the top flight, managed by Matthew Tipton, who has had a tremendous career in the game. Um, all-time record goal store, I believe, for, for Ported Down. Um, an absolute icon of not just uh, the Irish League, but obviously his time in England as well with Macclesfield and a, a range of other clubs. And just an all-round great guy. And let's not forget Warren Point, who may be bottom of the table as we are recording this, but they are a very, very good, well-run community club um, managed by Barry Gray, who is a, a very, very great guy, very passionate fella. Uh, Milltown is uh, often regarded as one of the toughest places to go in the Irish League to get a result because they make it very competitive. It's a battle. It's very, very tough. It's not the, the most idyllic surfaces to play on. It's not fast-flowing, but you have to play well to get a result. And they've got good players. More point, they've got good players. You know, they, they very recently got a draw at the National Stadium in, in, in Northern Ireland against Linfield. So they are a very capable team. But in the Championship, it's always very hotly contested as well. You've got Newry City, obviously, formerly in the Premiership, bitter rivals of Warren Point. You've got Balna Mallard, who've been in the top flight in the past as well. Ards, very ambitious club. It's just down the leagues. You know, I think Jeff was talking about the ambition and the, the marketing and the product of uh, Northern Irish football. I think over the years, it's slowly starting to improve. I think uh, the Niffle League, um, Northern Irish Football League, have really promoted the game a lot better with the help of sponsorship from Danske Bank, who I think have really promoted uh, the game in a good light. I think uh, over the COVID pandemic, I think BBC Sport NI, to their credit, with the streams and a lot of clubs as well, have really taken this opportunity to try and promote their club. Um, I want to give a personal shout out uh, in particular to a lot of uh, the clubs like Coleraine, Larne, Crusaders recently who are putting out podcasts as well of their own clubs, Carrick as well, doing a lot of very good stuff behind the scenes. Balamina have got their own YouTube channel, which I think is very impressive. And then you've obviously got Sky getting the odd games as well, which I think is very good to help promote the game as well. But I think one thing that holds Northern Irish football back is that they have some still very draconian rules and regulations, which do come a little bit of a cropper with uh, a few clubs. I mean, you know, obviously we had a little bit of the saga last season with the, the penalty shootout situation, which uh, really was uh, against Crusaders and not just the Irish Cup semi-final against Larne, but obviously the, the, Europa, the Europa Conference League uh, playoff semi-final against Cliftonville, uh, whereby they didn't get the rub of the green on uh, two very key decisions in those penalty shootouts and ultimately a cost of uh, very dearly. I do think the communication at the top of Northern Irish football could be a lot better than it actually is. I mean, I've spoken to a lot of journalists and a lot of uh, 
communicators in the Northern Irish came over there, and that is a bit of a frustration of theirs. Um, you know, obviously, it's been a bit of a success very much recently with the Northern Irish women's international team, obviously qualified for the Euros next year uh, in London, which is fantastic for them. So there's definitely improvement there. The men have obviously had their success in 2016 uh, under Michael O'Neill. So I think Northern Irish League football should get a little bit more credibility than it deserves because, you know, you're seeing not just a, a little bit of progression in Europe, you're seeing a little bit of progression internationally as well. And I think that's uh, that's very, very exciting to see. And going to back it up, you should be on The Apprentice doing a sales pitch for Northern Irish football because Alan Sugar would be giving you the investment. <laughs> I feel already in that space there, I'm like far more equipped to know about Northern Irish football. So that's a credit to you in terms of that knowledge. And I definitely. It's been an education for me when I've been doing my own podcast because, you know, you, you speak to players, managers, chairmen, fans, uh, journalists of the game over in Northern Ireland. And there, there seems a bit of a community atmosphere, but there also is a bit of friendly rivalry as well. Uh, with the majority of well-respected people, you have to say, obviously, you do get your your hardcore fans who, who want to see their teams win at all costs, of course. But, you know, some of us would, 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 not, would not be saying if that was the case. But, you know, as an onlooker looking in, it, it's great to see the smaller teams like Carrick, like Dungannon, really take the fight to Linfield, Glensoran, and given good account of themselves. They may not win the games, but they're competitive. You're not seeing a lot of 7-8-0 thrashings like you may have seen in the past. You know, as I mentioned earlier, just as we're recording this podcast, Warren Point Dwayne went to Windsor Park at the weekend and got a 1-0 draw. I think that's their first draw at Windsor Park for the best part of at least five, six years. You know, that's a very creditable achievement for a club of that situation. You know, you look at, you know, last year, Warren Point actually beat Linfield for the first time at their own ground, 2-1. It was live on the BBC Sport and I website. I watched it. It was a tremendous achievement for that club. You know, you look at some other great characters in the game. You know, I think that's the great thing about Northern Irish League football. Everybody knows everybody. It's a very small island. It's a very small community. Yes, there's rivalry on the pitch. But off the pitch, you could be working with a guy who's maybe played at a different club, and there's a good bit of banter there. Uh, right. I mean, you might we might want to talk about some of the guests I've had on my own show later on, but th- there's great communication there, which I just think is fantastic. And as a as an onlooker looking in, as a neutral looking in, it's just very exciting to watch, John. It's it's really really good to see. I think, and you're talking about community aspect. I think Josh would vouch for this, but Josh and me obviously going to watch a West of Scotland football. Everyone watch beside players or fans and. The banter's unrivaled, isn't it? In the lower leagues, um, yeah. Well, in the west of Scotland, like I'm thinking, like for the league we can attend to follow. Yeah, and the, the thing about the thing about yeah, the thing about that connection is that you've, you you feel a lot more a part of the club, um, and it's not just about fan ownership because they have fan ownership at, at huge clubs right across Europe. Um, and, and obviously that I'm not saying that's not a great thing because it obviously is. Um, but th- th- there's fan ownership and there's fan involvement um, in how the clubs run, and, and and particularly in the lower leagues, you know, most people know the chairman, but you know by first name, you know they will know the treasurer by first name, uh, and they'll know all the players by first name, and the players will know them. Um, no, no, I'm not saying it's the same, and because I mean, obviously, at, at our, 
level, John, is, is significantly lower than that of the League of uh, Northern Ireland. Um, it's, you know, it's obviously much better in quality. Attendances are much bigger as, as well. Um, but th- there is, I feel like in Ireland, right across the island, there is that sense of, I don't know, a, com- a football community that is that, sort of slipping away, um, mm. s- slipping away here. And if, you know, in England, it's... Pff, no, it's on, a, it's, on a, it's on a different galaxy now. Out of interest, guys, then. So I've not been to either the League of Ireland or the, the Donchka Premiership. Cost-wise for the top flight, how much are you talking for a ticket? Depending in, 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 uh, on itself, um, depending on where you go. So for Charles last season, it was about 10, uh, 10 euro a ticket. So about 10. Uh, for Rovers and Stuff you're talking probably about 17 to 20 euro, depending on the game. Uh, in the top flight in Ireland, it's last season, I think it was a pain because half the league, just under half, just under half the league were based in Ireland and they were always classed as basically like cat A tickets. Uh, they were slightly more expensive than if, if, if say, your team was playing a team from Watford or something like that. So probably about 17 quid, give or take. 17 quid, give or take. Grant in the north. Well, I, I've not actually been to a game in Northern Ireland, just to put that out there. Yeah, I was ferry to go there before COVID-19. I was going to go to Glentor and Linfield, but because of uh, a range of things, that didn't happen. I'm just having a little bit of a browse here, uh, just to give a little bit of a flavour. Larner playing uh, Linfield this Friday night as we're recording this. Okay. And I think roughly, because that's quite a big game, uh, yeah, yeah. there's a bit of a rivalry game there. And I, I'm trying to actually find the, the ticket prices here. Um, and I think it might be in the region of about 14 quid, 12 to 14 quid, um, roughly something like that, that sort of ballpark. Now, of course, that varies from club to club, but you'd imagine at Lundfield, obviously being at the national stadium, you would think that would be a bit more expensive. I don't have my facts to, to uh, hand there, I but suppose just a rough ballpark, I yeah. would say that would be probably about right, but about 15 to 20 quid, roughly something like that. The last time I was at a Northern Irish game, Ben Holland versus Crusaders, and that was a tenner, but that was about four years ago, to be fair. Yeah, I'd imagine it's about 15 quid, I would think. So we're looking at a similar level to League One here in terms of cost. Probably. <laughs> That's trying to <laughs> Aren't we? Uh, well, uh, Queen's Park and Bulkirk are charging 17 quid for a ticket. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, well, just I'm just having a look at season tickets. For an example, if you wanted to get a season ticket for Larne, 100 quid. That's good. So, so that just gives you an idea of the, the. That's not one of the biggest clubs, but it's one of the, you know, the, the sort of yeah. we're talking about top six, top eight clubs in all now. That gives you a, a sort of a ballpark. Okay. So here's a thing: if Shamrock Rovers were to be in Scotland, where do you need to be positioned? Josh and Jay. Shamrock. Sham. Well, just because they are the, they're not the top team in. Uh, just now, Rovers are um, Rovers are top at the minute. Uh, granted, there sh- should be a few ca- ca- caveats in this. Rovers won the season last season. They only played eighteen games. The, the league was cut short. Uh, so last season they've won the last out two years in a row. Last season, not as it shouldn't. I won't say it doesn't count, but it, it, it's not so. It's eighteen games this season. They won it. Uh, they won it for. T- they won it. They were the best side, to be fair to them. But um, they won it for two reasons. One, St. Pat's kept drawing. That built the gap. And two, the nearest rivals are usually, at the moment, Dundalk. Dundalk's ownership issues this season have been 
slightly hilarious, to be fair. Uh, so if Rovers were to come across, Rovers have got a genuinely actually not a bad squad. They've got a certain number of players in their team who we've obviously, people know about Liam Scales. I said on the first podcast I was on that I thought Liam Scales could come across to Scotland and do a job. You did? I like to clarify that I didn't ever at any point suggest it be Celtic he'd do a job at. <laughs> See, I, I thought I thought once the podcast had finished recording, you actually did. We did actually find out that night that Celtic went in for him. I might be wrong yeah. on that, but I'm play, But you had a lot of red wine, and we were all drinking a fair bit. So <laughs> yeah, Liam Scales has obviously done a good job. There are um, the elephant in the room is the fact that Dermot Desmond, the owner at Celtic, is also right. How do we put this? Technically, he is an owner at Shamrock Rovers. He's an investor, but he has got a lot of uh, he's put a lot of money into Rovers, and Rovers owe him quite a lot of money. Um, so this, the move between Rovers and Celtic isn't that much of a surprise. It's just that yeah. it wasn't really expected. Uh, Rovers have got in the form of their team, like Alan Manis at the moment is just signed a new year, one year contract. He's thirty nine years old, and he is probably. Out with Shane Supple at Bowles, possibly the best keeper in the league. Um, the boy at St. Pat's, who's unknown from Liverpool, was was quite phenomenal, but he, I'd probably say, Manus is probably still a better keeper. Uh, Shane Supple, like I said, it, it deserves an honourable mention. You've got the likes of Danny Mandrew, who was at Bowles a couple of seasons ago. He's he's been rumoured with a with a move to Celtic. I've seen not that long ago. I doubt it, to be honest. He's a good player uh, and everything, but I don't. Aberdeen or Hibs or Hearts would be more, in my opinion, probably more suitable for him than a, a move to Celtic. Jack Byrne, who's just come back from Cyprus after the pretty terrible experiment over there. Richard Howell, who was originally at Celtic on the books there, was over at Brighton and Preston. And I think he ended up at Salford City. He's just gone back to Rovers. Graham Burke, who started off at Aston Villa. Went across to Preston not that long ago. He's gone back to Rovers. He is only back at Rovers because he's physically he stated quite openly he doesn't want to not play in, in Ireland. He likes playing in, in Ireland. That's where his home is. He, he wants to stay at home. Uh, likes of Dylan Watts. Uh, you've got Robbie Lopez. You've got a very good side in Rovers. If Rovers were to come across with a side that they've currently got at the minute, um, to be honest, I think they do quite respectively well. They played in the top Milan. fight. In the top fight. I wouldn't, unless it's really difficult to compare because Rovers play a style of football that if they were to try and play that style of football over in Scotland, it just simply wouldn't work. They like to play, they like to play similar to the way Celtic play. Okay. Stephen Bradley's very much his own man. He very much doesn't follow on from any sort of philosophy stuff, but they like to play with the ball. They like quick passing. They've got a very good surface. If you look at the surface of Tala, it is phenomenal. If they were to play in Scotland, you could argue that they do not bad in the Premiership. They probably wouldn't be relegation fodder, okay. but it's really difficult to tell because, like I said, the squad that they've got is very good. They're very good at keeping the ball, but in in a league where they're constantly being challenged, it's probably not the same. It's not exactly a cakewalk in League of Ireland. Last season, they lost to quite a few sides. They dropped points needlessly. They relied heavily on last-minute wins, which obviously is a sign of a good side, but it's not, it's not really the most... <laughs> it's really difficult to tell it, I, I'm never a fan of comparing leagues of how a team would do because it's like when people say Rangers and Celtic if they went down to England how would they do well after the money they'd probably get it better the money in Scotland isn't fantastic but the money that it would give to teams like Rovers would be great Rovers were lucky not to get into the Conference League this season they were 
they did very well. They lost out to Mura, who obviously went on to beat uh, Tottenham, as we may or may not remember. The season before that, they got part of Europe by AC Milan. Rovers aren't a bad side. Rovers are competent. They've got, after the late 2000s, they were in an absolute disaster this year. They got relegated. They were at the, the lowest point they've been in their history. They've come back up. But last season's league win was the first league win since 2011. This season, uh, they did just as well to get to where they are. It is really, really difficult. I think they do all right. They've got a fairly sizable fan base. I mean, you're talking 3,000 easily. Um, so if you compare fan sizes of a lot of teams in Scotland, they are lower premiership, realistically. Um, but really difficult tell. I think Stephen Bradley, who is Rovers manager, I'm surprised he's still at Rovers. He did play for a wee while at Falkirk. Um, I'm quite surprised he's still Rovers manager. I'm surprised no one from outside of Ireland have ever come across for him. But, uh, yeah, to, to put a point on them, I don't really know, <laughs> to be totally honest. I think they've held their own, though. I think they've okay. held their own. I know that's a long-winded answer to come back with absolutely nothing. Sorry, it's all right. That's what I expect, Jeff. That's why you're the regular now. That's what we like one when the dancers. Grant, I'm going to ask the same question of you of the North. Now, at the moment, there's a few teams in the hunt, but Linfield are traditionally yes. the team. So pro- you would think, think they'll still probably win the league this year. And how would they do in Scotland? All right. Well, I think I think Linfield would be top six comfortably in Scotland, personally. Um, I think if they had big financial backing, I think they could definitely challenge Celtic and Rangers. Now, that's not to say that they'll win it, but I do think that they would challenge. Um, I think you, you, I was based on the fact, obviously, earlier in, in this chat about cool rain and the fact that they very nearly beat Motherwell in the Europa League qualifying last year. And I think the gap between Scottish clubs and Northern Irish clubs, particularly at the top of the game, is definitely shrinking a good bit. Um, you know, obviously, Linfield and Rangers... For example, I have quite a lot of friendly matches over in Northern Ireland. And, you know, I've had Jamie Mulgrew, for example, on, on one of my previous podcasts for his testimonial year. And I think Rangers won 7-0 that day. That was that was a good three, four years ago now. Now, w- what I will say is I do feel that you look at Hibs, Aberdeen, you look at Motherwell, you know, there's a real cluster of teams in there that I think, I think Linfield in a one-off game, particularly at Windsor Park, would definitely be probably slightly favourites to win those games. Away from home, I think it would be very, very interesting. But as I said before, the gap in Northern Irish football in its own league is definitely decreasing all the time. You know, there's a lot of competitors, particularly when the big teams go away from their own grounds. You know, a lot of things, a lot of people say that it might widen out with the fact that some of the teams are going full-time versus the teams that are going part-time. Now, whether that has come into effect right now is still up for discussion. I think you'll maybe see that more in the next two, three years rather than this season. But nevertheless, I think it's up to the other teams to say, right, they're going to go their way. Let's see what we could do to try and close the gap. And I mentioned David Jeffrey earlier on in this uh, podcast, but he very, very famously came out to a, a, a live BBC Sport NI website uh, match. I think it was at Crusaders Linfield. And he was Stephen Watson was presenting the show, and Mick McDermott, the Glentora manager, which is uh, one of one of uh, David Jeffrey's best mates, actually, uh, was sitting next to him, and he, and he and he was saying, 
you know, what are we going to do? We're just going to accept it. And it was quite a passionate rant. And I remember retweeting it on my Twitter that night and saying, if this is put up in every Scottish football's dressing rooms as a video before every single time Motherwell or St. Johnson or St. Mirren play Rangers or Celtic, I think it would galvanise teams. I well, really do. Back. <laughs> well, well, listen, it's not all about the... It's, it's all, but Dave yeah. thinks it's all about the data, John. Dave thinks it's all about the data. But, but what, what, what I'm trying to say is I think it's a little bit like when Northern Irish clubs go to play in Europe. You know, in the past, Northern Irish clubs in Europe were going there for the experience, for the training, to get into their season, you know, with respect. Now you're thinking, well... For example, Linfield in the past come up against, uh, I think it was Sharnan of Iceland, and they've, they've had a couple of interesting ties. They, they won a, a, a great game, 3-2, I think, at home. And, you know, to get that game against Carabag, for example, Mrs. Carabag, a team who were a Champions League team not that long ago, remember, they were they drew against Barcelona. So they are, Aberdeen, how good they were, Carabag. As well, well. well, they qualified in their conference league group, so they yeah. must be a decent team. So... I, I think a lot of people look at Linfield, they look at Cliftonville, they look at Glentoran, and they think, oh, they're from Northern Ireland, they're not going to be competitive. But actually, I think the landscape in Europe has definitely helped the, the likes of Linfield. I mentioned Larne earlier on this year, Coleraine. Crusaders played Wolves a couple of years ago, which was a big game for Crusaders Football Club. You know, that was a, a massive money spinning tie off the back of that game. And they were very competitive in those two games, by the way. You know, they were only 1-0 down for from 88 minutes of that game at Molyneux. And, and only late on did they concede the second goal. But if you go back to your question on, on Linfield, I, I think comfortably they would be in the top six. Okay. And, and, I, and, I, and I say that, I say comfortably quite strongly because I think some of the Scottish teams, there is a bit of a much or muchness now. You Celtic and Rangers, I don't think, are as strong as they've been in the last... Well, certainly Celtic, for instance, are not as strong as they've been under the use of Brendan Rodgers. I think Rangers last season obviously won the league under Stephen Gerrard, you know, obviously they stopped Celtics 10 in a row. But there is definite weaknesses that I think teams can get at Rangers and Celtic. I think in an ideal world, I think Linfield would definitely be competitive. I don't think they would be in danger of going down, uh, but I do think they would be hovering around that sort of fifth to sixth position, okay. maybe seventh, eighth, something like that. Um, but I, I looked at, say, Hibs, Aberdeen, etc. There's all a bit of a much of a muchness there. So they would be in that mix, in my opinion. And then, you know, Glen Torn, I think, would probably slot in there as well. Maybe Cliftonville, maybe Crusaders would be sort of a little bit further down. Corrine and Lark, you just don't know. I think a lot of it is down to if teams get financial backing, ultimately. Aye, aye, yeah. I mean, that, but but hypothetically, I, I firmly believe, based on what I've seen over the last few years watching on National League football, I think Lidfield would be in that mix, certainly in that fifth to sixth area of the table. Okay. And I said comfortably, uh, maybe not as comfortable as I've sort of suggested, but I think they would be in that sort of area of the table. All right, okay. So what we need to do, Jeff, you are on uh, the Football Manager special. We need to get the old editor out and <laughs> stick Shamrock and whoever wins the league this year in Northern Ireland into the Premiership in place of the bottom two and see how it, how it goes. Yeah, yeah. To, to be fair, I wasn't as, uh, I wasn't as brazen as to say Shamrock Rose would get top six. But uh, it's more the case of I was going off the current squad. <laughs> I feel like that should be added. Also, um, it's quite the only we don't really have anywhere really an idea of what this could be like. We have a few years ago, as Grant will remember, the 
uh, Challenge Cup where we had the Irish, Northern Irish and the Scot in the, you know, the right. side. And to be honest, I think the only thing that people remember is Bulls versus East Fife was cancelled at short notice because of a flooded pitch. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I remember Cole Rain uh, playing for Martin United, a club which are just 15 minutes away from me, which was quite a special tie for that club. Unfortunately, it was over in Cole Rain. I would have definitely popped along if it was here. Glen Avon have played for Martin as well in the past. Crusaders have played at Verness. So, you know, yeah. these Crusaders. are good moments for those clubs. And Linfield obviously beat Dundee United not that uh, long no, ago. No, it, well. uh, it was Crusaders beat Dundee United. I attended. Um, was it? <laughs> I, thought, I think Linfield did as well, didn't they? No, oh, United, no, they lost it 1-0. Lost yeah, United, 1-0. United beat them 1-0. Nah, I don't it's think 1-0. United sorry, fans, I beg your, sorry, I beg your pardon. United fans would never let them forget if they mm. lost that. Sorry, uh, sorry. They lost the 1-0. Sorry, I forgot about that. But the problem for, for that is, and this is a problem that League of Ireland in particular face rather more than, North, uh, than, than the Northern Irish football league in the form that seeing the Challenge Cup, the teams that were in it, I think Finn Harps, Bulls, uh, Pats and... I think Sligo all played in it. And the problem was, is it was played in November and this was the end of their reg- relative seasons. Uh, and the, the League of Ireland sides never took it seriously. I mean, at all. Uh, mm. I think when Sligo played, Waterford played Stenhousemuir and Waterford travelled across to Ockleview to play the game. I believe it was on BBC Alibur, the game. And mm. Waterford sent their under-19s. All but one player was their under-19 squad. And that was the only example we really have. In Ireland itself, we used to have the Sedanta Cup, um, everyone's favourite ever sports channel. And that didn't really take off realistically. Every time it sort of started getting decent, the classic problem that exists in Ireland is the fact that the two leagues play in different calendars. So yeah. like this season coming up, uh, Rovers should be playing Linfield in uh they call it United Cup. It, it, it's, United called Cup. A, it, it's basically a watered-down version of the old Satanta Cup. Yeah. Which was absolutely was... brilliant, by the way. Oh, yeah, the Satanta Cup was phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if but... the other guys know about that, the, the, the Satanta Cup. Mm. That was that was class. From the sort of 2010s year. Brilliant, brilliant tournament. No, no, I'm not getting a lot of memories about it, Grant. Uh, you, you, you need to give us more detail. Well... Uh, <laughs> go on, Jeff. I'll go back to you while yeah, I'm thinking about thinking yeah, about it. Josh, don't ask Grant for more detail. I think he's got a wee Robin Cook on the go. A bit like yeah. me. Have you got a wee Robin Cook on the go, Grant? No, no, I don't. <laughs> just a coat. Just, 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 just no. pure, <laughs> pure enthusiasm. Um, no, uh, so the, the Satanta Cup was uh, especially the this, right? So a cup between the champions of Ireland. Uh, Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland have existed for quite a long time in spits and spans. And usually it consisted of, I think it was usually the top four teams, or it might have actually been all the teams at one point. And they all basically play off each It's sort of like a weird sort of Scottish Cup kind of. Like the Anglo, yeah. the Anglo-Scottish Cup or the Anglo-Italian, uh, Scottish, uh, the Anglo-Italian Cup that existed for the wee while. And yeah. it got to a point where at one point it was teams that weren't in Europe were playing in it against each yeah. other. And the Satanta Cup was kind of like the, like the pinnacle of what these sort of competitions turned into. It's really it? an opportunity to promote Northern Irish League football against their yeah. neighbours in the South or the but, Republic. And so it, was, I, it was quite entertaining, I how think. Did it, how did it go? Because generally, 
the countries are usually kept apart when it comes to playing football against each other. So how did it go with clubs playing each other? Well, weirdly, a lot of the clubs, uh, as Grant can probably vouch for, a lot of the clubs got on quite well. And it, it has led to a fair few friendlies between the sides. You've got to bear in mind that out with uh, people's personal political opinions, and usually these are the extreme people, a lot of people on the island tend not to, a lot of the clubs in particular tend to be apolitical is the best way to describe it, especially in the South. There isn't really any mad um, political stances. Yeah. And out with, I believe, Dundalk and Linfield, who kept having riots with each other, I think mm. most of the time it got, everyone got on fairly well. Yeah. Uh, the problem with the Satanta Cup was, and the reason why it pretty much came to its end, apart from Satanta collapsing as a company, was the fact that it, when it was being played, because it was, they could never agree when it was going to be played. Yes, and that was one okay. of the biggest issues. It used to always be very close to played towards the end of the season in Northern Ireland and very close to the start of the season in the Republic of Ireland. And that was always a bit of a, a bit of a problem. But I want to give a bit of a plug to a, a great contact of mine, Darren Potts, who sort of uh, helped me to kind of do a little bit of research on this. He's a massive Crusaders fan. And Crusaders won the, the Satanta Sports Cup in, in 2012. Uh, famously beat a Derry City in a penalty shootout. And, you know, that's one of the the, the kind of all-time classic games. They're the only Northern Irish uh, league side, I believe, apart from Lidfield in 2005, uh, to have won that competition. It's mostly been dominated by the Republic of Irish teams. But I think it's a I, I think it's good to look back on, on old memories of this. I mean, I don't have far knowledge of them, but just to sort of improve my own knowledge of the game, it's, it's always interesting to sort of look back on those yeah, good old yeah. days and think, you know, they had that, that kind of all champions cup, I think is what it's called now, uh, Jeff, which is yeah. uh, which is very intriguing um, yeah. to keep an eye on. This this season, I did see someone who uh, writes for a thing that mentions not being about the old firm had possibly yes. the worst take on the reason why it wasn't being played this season that I've ever seen. And the fact that it's being played between, should be, I should add, should be played between uh, Rovers and Linfield. Yes. And the reason why Rovers are reluctant to play it isn't due to any political reasons, despite what that person was trying to indicate. It's the simple fact of the matter is it's, it would require the Rovers players to come back midway through their off-season. Absolutely. Because they're trying to play it in January. And Absolutely. Rovers' season ended five weeks ago. It's yep. not due to start again until the start of February, I believe is when the President's Cup game is. Mm-hmm. So the fact that that, that that particular take irritated me I think what we will do is move on to the influence of Irish players in Scotland mm-hmm. which is what <laughs> I think we were sold we sold the podcast as so we should probably go on to that so currently as we stand there's not maybe as many players than there has been in the past it's fair to say I would say. No, 15 or 16 just now, I think, in the top flight. Yeah. Um, from a Republic's point of view, the influence is less so on the players than it is on the people. So uh, in Scotland, in particular, we've got the likes of Hibs, who are formed in 1875. We have about three or four different Dundee teams that were formed in the 1870s. Uh, obviously, Celtic is the one that everyone knows. So there's a team called Glasgow Hibs. Um Cambazine Kibbs. There's about there's, there's hundreds of different ones. Uh, right down to places like Bathgate, we've had a team called Bathgate Shamrocks. 
these are phones from Irish communities that came from what we now know as Republic of Ireland. But all of these football clubs are formed the better part 15 years before any team in the Republic of Ireland is actually formed. Uh, obviously, you've got um, Cliftonville, which Grant will, 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 will know is the oldest team in, in, in Ireland. Uh, but for the, for the Republic, it's uh, Bowes, who were formed as Royal Hibernian Military School, which was a, a, a basically an orphanage for children in Ireland whose, family, whose parents have been killed in military service. Uh, outside of that, we've got Shows who were formed in 1895, and then we've got Rovers, who, depending on which Rovers fan you talk to, it was 1899 or 1901. They can't really make their minds up. Um, so from from an from a Republic of Ireland point of view, it's more intriguing that the amount of clubs, football clubs that are formed in Scotland in particular, you don't really get any in England. You get one or two that pop up with Irish sounded names, but they never they never lasted. Whereas in Scotland, some of our biggest clubs are are formed from an Irish community, and they're formed long before a team in their homeland are actually formed. And I think for, for me personally, that's the, the, the biggest influence that has been is how one of Scotland's most successful clubs ever, one of the, the most famous clubs in Scotland ever, have these very distinct roots. Mm. And yet, actually in their homeland, these clubs clubs weren't, weren't formed until much later on. I mean, there are a couple of caveats. I mean, the GAA ban until the late 80s is an impact. But... Um, yeah, it, it, that's I think one of the biggest impacts I think Irish football's had. Say Irish football, Irish people have had on Scottish football is they helped form a lot of the major clubs. You could as well say there's a fair link between players that are born here that have played for Ireland as well. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> there's loads. There's a fair amount in that. Yeah, and, and and we might we might come to that later on, uh, John, when we're doing what what we're um, be, best Irish all Ireland. Scottish footballers, because uh, I've been thinking of that here, and, and you know, and, and and in that team, are we are we including, are we including, so are we are we thinking just strictly Irish footballers, or are we including players who have played in Scotland, who have declared for Republic of Ireland? But I, mean, I, I think I think what we need to do Northern Ireland, we're calling it an All Ireland lineup, right? So we're, yeah. we're doing a fantasy land as if it was a rugby. Right, and football, they went right. Let's have an All Ireland team. So it's players that have declared for Northern Ireland and Republic. That's very many. That's very many. Sorry. But yeah, I mean, just just on you know, it's interesting what Jeff's saying there about um. See, I, I, I didn't know that um. I mean, obviously, I knew that that Hibernian was a common title for many um for many teams in Scotland that um had Irish roots. I mean, Dundee Hibernian um were um Dundee United, I think. I believe originally, yeah. Um, so yeah, I knew that, but, but I didn't know quite the extent. You know, you're saying about some of the kind of lower league teams and, and amateur teams and kind of that still exist or, or have existed in the past. Um, but it just shows you the, I suppose that that influx of um, <clears throat> that influx that influx of immigrants um, coming from from the island over to Scotland around the kind of turn of the century when. Um, football was ramping up and, and beginning to to become the working class sport that it is. Well, well I mean, we'll not get into that debate, but but if, if, if Donald was on, it'd be fuck more on football. Like, we'd be getting that right in there. But predominantly, <laughs> I would say it's still a working class game, isn't it? 
absolutely, um, absolutely, and, and for the people that follow the game, and, and you can see, yeah, I mean, you can see the links for, for even for for guys that have, have have been born and raised in Scotland to to for all intents and purposes Scottish parents who declare for Ireland, you still see that connection, you know that in. It's ingrained in our society, well, particularly in the West, anyway. Uh, you know, maybe not. It's maybe maybe not so much up Grant's neck of the woods, um, but but certainly here in the West and in Glasgow, it's just it is intense, and and, and there is that sense of, of people, um, of people really feeling proud of their Irish roots, um, despite a lot of them maybe not even. Setting foot. Uh, well, exactly. Yeah. It's know. a bit like though, like Scotland though. Like we've got a fair amount of like obviously players that have been born in England, but they've got Scottish grandparents. Maybe not spent much time in Scotland. That's a debate for a different podcast. But it yeah. happens because yeah, let's face it, it. I don't know about your guys' roots, but in terms of myself, I've got roots that I'm not. I'm not 100 Scottish. Mm. You know that way. I've got. I could have, if I'd been good enough to play football, I could have played for about. I think at least three different teams. Actually, here's a Josh. How many teams could you have played for if you were good enough to play at the national football? Uh, uh well, probably two uh, under the current rules. But I mean, but I mean, John, you, you know, you, you're saying you could have played for for three or four different teams. I mean, you know, they'd have to want you. Yeah, um, I, I, I know. One of them's if one of your teams is Brazil or Argentina or something like that. I don't think they're going to call you up, mate. Do you, th- do you think? Do you think you had someone checking about Brazil and Argentina, seventy-eight or something like that? Like, yeah, the the old day seventy-eight World Cup. Grant, how many teams could you declare for if you were good enough to play football at the highest level? I I, I don't actually know to be honest. Probably just the one. Uh, I, I, my my Northern Irish connection isn't actually strictly from a sort of roots per se. It's more like an an affiliation of following a league that is interesting as to look at as a comparison more than anything else. I suppose, you know, I, I kind of think very loosely about the fact that my grandparents were very into Irish music uh, for many years. Um, and, and and obviously my, my late grandfather was very much into that, played accordion. Um, and obviously that was brought down uh, through to my mom and, and she could play a bit of accordion as well. So there's a bit of a Scottish-Irish tinge uh, in there, extremely loosely. Um, to be honest, I don't know. Is that, really how Jack, is that not how Jack Charlton picked his team? No. Well, Jack Charlton sort of uh, spotted a player. <laughs> you, you ever flown over Dublin? I mean, I know. Oh, here's a passport shipment. Uh, the late Jack Charlton, who was an absolute legend, let's face it, but that was a joke. He used to get back in the day. It was like, all he had to do was like sip a pint of Guinness and they would get a call up. Um, yeah. To go Jeff, how many teams could you declare for if you were good enough to play at the highest level? Yeah. Uh, Officially four, but technically five. Right, so Ooh. there we go. So uh, I could do England, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, and then by default you could do Northern Ireland as the FIFA. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, oh, right. <laughs> right. Decent, decent. Right, okay. So influence of the Irish and Scottish football. Now, as we look at it currently, as players are just now, best yeah. player in the league, maybe not based on what he's done just now, but Johnny Hayes has to be up there. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I would agree. He's one of the best players in the league. But for me, if you're talking Irish players, the best in the league, there's, there's two: um, the, the Stephen Davis and um, Jamie McGrath. Davis yeah. for me, 100, is the benchmark, and uh, has been for many years. I would argue. I think, Grant, honestly, and, and I'm absolutely serious here. I think there is a, a there is a strong, strong argument to say that that Stephen Davis is probably 
one of, and I, I'm not just saying this, I think he probably is one of the greatest British or, you know, Britain and Ireland footballers ever. Absolutely. Um, I would, I, I would yeah. go along with that. In fact, that view is shared by Mark McIntosh, uh, a, a very uh, respected uh, non-Irish journalist uh, over uh, the pond, over Northern Ireland. And uh, I, I, I couldn't agree more with him. Um, I think Davis, for many years, has been a real anchor in that Rangers midfield. And, you know, the successes speak for themselves, not just for Rangers, but internationally too. I was trying to bring in players gradually here, by the way. I wasn't just saying Johnny Hayes was the best, like, Josh. Josh. <laughs> you know, I'm not. I'm not just saying that. You know, I'm not just saying that because I'm a Rangers fan. You know, Johnny Hayes has, has been. I've actually got him on my team here, uh, but we'll come to that. Um, but yeah, I, I, he has been a, a stalwart for years and years. I actually mm-hmm. think he was quite unlucky at Celtic. It's maybe just the wrong time for Aye, him. I think so. Um, you know, because you did see in the few games they, in the, the limited amount of games they played for Celtic, he did have, you know, something to offer them. Mm-hmm. Um, just maybe was, not the right time for him. He was mm-hmm. quite often getting asked for left back as well, which isn't his best position. He can play there, but it's not his best position. I think uh, I think we would all probably agree that Stephen Davis is mm-hmm. the best. I mm-hmm. think it, the fact that the career he's had as well from his first spell at Rangers going down south, and let's face it, he did very well down at Southampton. He, he didn't particularly want to let him go, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, just that the his boyhood club came calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the second boyhood club uh, came calling, and yeah, I think it's basically him. it's it's basically the player version of Walt Smith, and, and when he was given to, to come back to Rangers to to lift, you know, to you get said, back. I thought to... you said Will Smith there. Did no, I that? said Walter Smith. I thought you said Will Smith. I'm thinking <laughs> Will Smith. No, is, so does that does that make uh, Steve Davis a fresh Prince of Irons? <laughs> <laughs> I feel, um, I, I feel a song coming on. <laughs> I think, uh, just for clarity, I think we should add in if we're going to go down the best ever Irish player to play in Scotland. I think Roy Keane and Robbie Keane are both very much worthy of acknowledgement as the fact that yeah, while Stephen Davis has been phenomenal for Rangers, both of those have played in Scotland. I... One's, played, one's I... played in the Republic of Ireland as mm. the, the co Ramblers, and both of which. Uh, well, Steve Davis has been phenomenal for Rangers and in the period from a, they're taking the point of view of their performances in Scotland, though he is better than those two. Mm. Those two definitely have better careers. I, I, mean, I think we base it on what happened in Scotland because I, Roy, Roy Keane has got nothing to base himself on for that. I yeah, want uh, to wipes out it. Mark Wilson. <laughs> I want to add a caveat here because I feel like we're being a bit biased towards Rangers, so I would have picked Neil Lennon. I, I think yeah. a lot of people will I completely think, why am I picking Neil Lennon? But not only as a player, he was absolutely sensational for Celtic. I think grossly underrated for for Celtic as a player. But to not only do that as a player, to then go in as manager, and yes, it didn't end well the second time round, but as a manager to be as successful as he was as well. And remember, he was a very good international player as well for, for Northern Ireland too. Uh, I mean, obviously Davis is, we're saying Davis is up here. I don't think Neil Lennon's too far behind, you know? I just think personally, because of the situation yeah. at the end as a manager, that has affected his legacy. And oh, I but let's just, based on a player, I think that Martin O'Neill team, much as you will say about your, your Larsons, your Suttons, your Hartsons, every good team needs a base. Right? Absolutely. Lambert and Lennon. If it, you need that, otherwise the attacking players mm-hmm. can't play with mm-hmm. them. 
So yep. Lennon, without a doubt, whether people like him or don't like him as a character, mm. whatever reason they might dislike him as a player, he's a destructor. The trophies that he won as well, um, phenomenal record. I mean, Lennon and Davis as a midfield too. If it's a two, that's a pretty tidy They'd two. Never yeah. speak to each other. The two no. midfielders who would never speak to you. No, <laughs> I completely agree with that. That's all right. That's all right. You don't need to get on. You don't need to get on off the pitch or that, but they can play together probably. Oh. I want to go back to what Josh mentioned earlier on about current players in Scotland because I think McGrath is an extremely good shout. You know, I think he's been superb for St Mirren. And remember, he was very much talked about going to Hibs in the summer. And you know. Our Hibs really struggling for that little bit of creativity in their team just now. You just wonder if, obviously, the January window coming up, are they going to go back in for them? I mean, do you think, it, do you think his head was turned a wee bit because he's not had the impact this season as what he did last season, Jimmy McGrath? Uh, he has been injured as well, so that's possible to say. But remember, he was called up to the Republic of Ireland squad. I feel like I'm jumping on Jeff's shoes here, aye, but, but the Republic oh. of Ireland are not that good these days. No offense, I mean, them, but they're not the greatest players international nowadays. The, the last few performances have been. They'd be better. Have, have been much better. Stephen Kenny's got a genuinely got. You can see what Stephen Kenny's doing, and I yep. think now we're starting to see a sort of a shift from the old guard. And mm. People like McGrath are getting game time. And also, to be fair, Stephen Kenny, he's not afraid to pull up League of Ireland players. He pulled up Shane Suttle not that long ago, Danny Mandrew, uh, Jack Byrne. Um, so he is. And a lot. And also a lot of players from League One and League Two as well. I mean, the goalkeeper yeah. has been has been very good as well. Can't remember his name there. But he's, he's, on, he's on loan from Man City. Uh, yeah. Gavin Bazunu. Bazunu. Yeah. He he started his career off at Shamrock Rovers and he played yeah. in a game against Celtic in a friendly. And I believe they got beat eight eight two. I think it might have been in a pre-season friendly for Celtic. It was mid-season for Rovers, should I? And um, he pulled off that many saves that Brendan Rodgers. Uh, inquired about attempting to sign him. And the reason why he never signed in the end was more due to the fact he had his uh, exams coming up for school, which he was wanting to complete prior to signing for any club. And yeah. then within a few weeks, Man City came along and he signed for Man City instead. I'm led to believe the money is probably better. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he he looks like the future. Put it this way, he's playing in that Republic of Ireland squad and he's forcing like Darren Randolph who's playing consistently in the league above him. He's keeping him out the side. Yeah. And he's keeping out the side incredibly well. The boy has got a lot of potential and he's only 19. So he's got a lot of, a lot ahead of him. Um, I think he'll be one of the ones, a bit like a John McGinn who got away. <laughs> mm. uh, which may or may not come back to haunt people. Right, okay, other influences in terms of currently, as we stand this season, Irish players, whether it's either side of a, a boy that um a boy that you know we talk about Jimmy McGrath, but but boy that's actually really really impressed. Yes, yes. Conor Ronan, um, who is on loan from yeah, the Wolves, yeah. I believe, um, and he's kind of more. He's actually quite similar to Jimmy McGrath. He's maybe a bit more got a bit more dynamism about him in, in terms of his his pace and his you know sharpness and attack. McGrath's maybe more of a I don't know more of an orchestrator than a than a than a quick kind of attacking. Uh, midfielder, uh, but um, he, yeah, he's he's been really really impressive, uh, and that uh, that goal he scored um, against Rangers actually, I think it was yeah, it was Rangers. The one yeah, it was he, a smashing goal. It was absolutely outstanding. So I I don't think I mean he, he's he's that good. I don't think he, he is long for the Saint Marin world in that sense. I don't think Saint Marin 
are going to be able to hold on to him, um, you know, after this loan. Yeah, I think the, the difference between him and Jamie Grant, I think, is a more... You can see Jamie Grant's come up through playing league football consistently, whereas you can see uh, you see Finn, he's come up through academy football. Uh, it's not much of a difference between the two, but you can see when they're on the ball, one is very robust and takes a lot of hits, and the other one has got a lot of good touches. So, But yeah, you, you are right. He's been, he's been phenomenal. I'm just trying to think of other... The centre-backs at St Mirren, Shaughnessy and McCarthy. I like McCarthy. Yeah. I'm going to come in with an All-Irish one, and I can't believe you guys have not spoken about this guy, Liam Boyce. Uh, I just think Liam Boyce at Hearts um, has been absolutely stunning. And Liam Boyce has done it for years. You know, he was a huge integral figure in Cliftonville winning their league double uh, in the 2010s. Um, and then, of course, he came over to Scotland, was at Ross County, did very well there. They went down to Hull City, come back to Scotland to play for Hearts. And I think he's been outstanding. Maybe he doesn't have the pace anymore, but his natural goal scoring instances are still there. And I think he's a tremendous, tremendous striker. Absolutely. Yeah. Would you we'll come on to the team later on, right? Portable contender or not? Uh, Liam Boyce. We'll save it. We'll save it. Maybe we'll save it. Yeah, yeah. Because I think he's in the mix. We're talking about too many players at the moment, probably. Um, What about if we covered previous influence, which we did a wee bit with folk jumping the gun with the kids and uh, the likes, but actual ones that we can say in Scottish football made an impact as opposed to well I'm gonna jump in to I'm gonna in. jump in straight away here and okay, say Adam, Ro- Adam Rooney without Adam a shadow of a doubt. Yes. Win- wins the League Cup uh, with that penalty against Everness goes down in Dandy's folklore forevermore. Come on you Reds. Adam well, Rooney hundred percent. See one thing I used to always get frustrated with people, many fans, and you know this well Grant, more than others. Yep. He only scores goals. But it's the hardest thing to do in football. Exactly. Put the ball in the back of the net. He only scores goals. That was that was the thing he always got accused of. Like, that, that is that is to this honestly. There is no more. There is no more bizarre argument in football when someone says all he does is score goals. You think exactly. What else, what else do you want? Aye. What do you want from a striker? Exactly. Chris Chris Boyd was the exact same. Not Henry Larson was the same. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. I think well, Larson was a bit more. To be fair. But Chris Boyd exactly was exactly no, like that. I mean, no, you're not talking. I mean, you're not talking world class, talented footballer, but scores all the time, all the time, and just finds the net somehow. You know, in, in most games, um, and and that was you know that was Adam Rooney. Um, yep. You know, not not an incredibly gifted footballer in a sense of his actual natural ability, but just had that instinctual ability to find goals and. Um, you'll be able to, you'll be able to say, Grant was I think, was there a season he was top goal scorer? Yes, yeah, I, I will find the stats for you on that, but yes, yeah, so, a, a unbelievable player. The, the, the thing as well with Rooney that always staggered me, right? So see when you're when you're Aberdeen, you're maybe playing a Rangers or Celtic or one of the bigger games, and you're not getting as many chances. He used to get left out of the team. Now mm-hmm. see when you're only getting like maybe two or three chances, you want a guy that can put the ball in the net. Just. just I I think sometimes football's overcomplicated now where false nines and fake strikers and whatever you want, there's still room for a striker, just a striker that scores goals. Just you let him poach, stay, and just maybe I only get one chance, but he'll probably take it. 
Yeah, and just to clarify to Josh, he wasn't top scorer this particular season, but he did score 20 goals and 27 appearances in that 15-16 season. So, yeah. But he done that. I mean, he done that every season nearly. You know, he was always 15, well, 16 kind of. Well, territory. the the the, four, the the five seasons he was at Aberdeen, right? Seven, 18, 20, 12, and eight. And bear in mind, the first season when he scored seven, he was only a half a season. Exactly. So um, there's there's a top there's a top striker. Now, if you're talking about Rooney in terms of that era and that period, you can't not talk about. I mentioned Hayes earlier. Hayes, McGinn, Rooney. Absolutely. Rooney, Fine well under McInnes, they three are playing, and those three, if you if those three are in the team, you knew you were in for a good chance of winning a game. Yeah. Um obviously Hayes and McGinn have both returned to Aberdeen second spell has not been as good, but they're a bit older now. But 2014, yep. that 2014-15 periods, not quite unplayable, right? But as good as unplayable for Aberdeen. Um, arguably should have done a long time. Arguably should have maybe done a little bit better than it did, to be honest. Yes, we won the League Cup, but you know, uh, yeah, I think part of that would come down to me. We've spoken about this made before many times in the podcast. That time where we should have just spent a wee bit of money in January, maybe mm-hmm. had a go at Celtic, maybe won the league, but yeah, even the semi final against St. Johnson in the well, Scottish Cup. Yeah, I don't, I uh, that, yeah, I remember that. Ivers, who the fuck is Stevie May? <laughs> and then he scores, so I, yeah. Um, but those three, like genuinely, McGinn, I think McGinn's a player that I think that doesn't get enough credit as well. I remember mm. speaking to people, uh, other fans of other teams, and it was one of those ones, it was like, who would you pick from other teams? Now McGinn was picked by most, because he, mm. he's not, he's no pace, not very mm. much pace, but ability from a set piece, which again, set pieces win games. The amount of goals that won, uh, the amount of games that won from set pieces, I think now McGinn's terrific. I still regret the fact we never played him for striker for longer. Because remember the season, he was first season and he played up front. And he scored so many goals up front. Remember that, Grant? Everyone? He was yeah, yes, up, I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then it was like, I we brought, actually, it was probably because we brought in Rooney partly. Um, yeah. They get shifted wide. I'd like to have seen McGinn playing off Rooney. Yeah. I think that would have been quite interesting. But yes, that front three were, were outstanding. And remember, I think, you know, was it really brought in by, or certainly looked at being brought in by, by Craig Brown, wasn't he? I'm trying to remember uh, when he sort of came in, but he was uh, roughly around about that time, maybe late, maybe just into the McInnes era, maybe. I See, quite remember. I'm obviously not an Aberdeen fan, so my suggestion is going to be shown then. But on the Rooney one, was it not brought in the same time as Andrew Shinney? From Inverness. Yeah, Graham Shinney. Graham Shinney came in on a pre-contract. Adam Rooney, I'm pretty sure, was a January loan signing initially. Yeah. Swindon, if I remember rightly, was it Swindon? And then 2013. It was Oldham, yeah. actually. Was it Swindon before, but then Oldham Swindon and then Aberdeen? Oldham. See, if Blaisdell was on, if Blaisdell was on, he would have known straight away. Like, he's, get, he's Rain Man when it comes to these things. <laughs> without, without looking at Google, he would just know. Yeah. Um, but those three, in terms of Aberdeen, Glenn from um, Red Tinted Specs podcast gave a shout for Richie Byrne. Left back, if people remember him, I yeah. don't have that fond memories of him at Aberdeen, but he, he did play in the Calderwood era, and he was, what, solid. If I could, he was solid. If I could give one word to describe it, it would be workmanlike. Yeah, um, solid, aye. But, 
nothing spectacular in my opinion, but that's just my personal view. The workman light is absolutely one of the best backhanded compliments you can give someone now. Yeah. It works, doesn't it? He works, he works, he works hard. That'd be Lennon. We were talking about Lennon earlier. Workman light would be Neil Lennon. Yeah, that's one descriptive term. <laughs> nah, uh, <laughs> um, nah, what I was going to, the, the one that, I think the couple of things that I was going to bring up was uh, there's a couple of players, I think, coming over from Republic of Ireland that I've just about just signed. I was going to ask Grant, how often does he see it? Because it used to happen in the lower leagues between lower league Scottish sides and uh, Northern Irish sides quite often, but you don't really see it anymore. In the League of Ireland, we know what the issue is. The issue is more the calendars are wrong. So players are reluctant to sign during their off-season when their off-season is the middle of everyone's main season. Mm. Uh, mm. But I was just going to ask, if there's how many Scottish boys are there actually playing in Northern Ireland at the minute? Well, a lot. I, I, I think there's more now than there has been for many years. There have been players over time that have been on the books at Scottish clubs and, and then obviously it hasn't happened for them and they've gone on to come to Northern Ireland and, and, and done very well. Matthew Clark is a tremendous example of that. He was on the books at Rangers. You know, if Lee Wallace hadn't stayed at Rangers, he would have probably been one of the first-choice left-backs under that Ali McCoyce era when Rangers were down the leagues in League Two. It didn't happen for Clark, and he went over to Linfield and and suddenly has been a a serial winner. Joshua Robinson was exactly the same. Another guy who was on the books of Rangers didn't quite happen for him. Went over to Crusaders, won a couple of league titles, went to to Linfield, won a couple of uh, titles. It was obviously at Larne as well. You've got Andy Mitchell, who was exactly the same. Um, been around the clubs and, and been successful there. But there's guys in Scottish football that have come over across the water to try their arm, to chance their luck a little bit. It hasn't worked for them, and they've come back to Northern Ireland and been really successful. And the two guys that absolutely stand out in this, now I've got to give huge credit to both of these guys because they've been tremendous crack with me uh, on the podcast, is uh, is Joel Gormley, who is a Cliftonville right. goal-scoring legend um, at the Reds, and Andrew Waterworth, who has done exactly the same at Linfield, now working in the Irish FA. Uh, absolutely outstanding. In terms of other guys who've, uh, you know, uh, chanced their arm in Northern Ireland and it maybe hasn't worked, remember, of course, we all remember Nacho Novo was at Glen Torren <laughs> uh, for a season and it, it didn't quite happen for him. But here's a name that I'm going to bring out here that you guys will maybe remember. Ivan Sproul. Remember the, one of the very few players to score a hat-trick at Ibrox. Uh, he went over to, to Northern Ireland. Uh, played for Balna Mallard, now in management or was in management uh, at Dergview in the championship. Um, don't think he still is now, but uh, still very much there and 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 a, and a really interesting player as well. But it's, um, it's uh, Bobby Burns. Is he Bobby Burns? Yeah, Bobby Burns in. is at Glen Torren. He's at Glen Torren. He was he's been at Glen Abbott as well. Uh, very very good fullback. Actually, keeping club captain Marcus Kane out of the team. Um, he's a he's a phenomenal talent, uh, Bobby Burns. And of course, you may remember very recently, early in the season, there was the incident between him and Aaron McCary, former yes. goalkeeper at Ross County, uh, during that match with uh, Cole Rain, uh, which was uh, very, very uh, publicly over social media, wasn't it? That that famous incident at the Oval <laughs> that night. Uh, you mentioned other players that are that, that were on the books of Scottish clubs that are playing on the island. I mentioned Luke Turner, who's at Cliftonville. Sam Roscoe was at Air United, now at now at Linfield as well. Um, just try to think of others off the bat here. Alan Jenkins, who's now no longer playing in Northern Ireland, he was at Balamina. I uh, was at Stranraer and, and a few other clubs. He was a brilliant player for Balamina. 
Um, phenomenal midfielder. Uh, really did a lot of unsure work. Aidan Wilson was another guy who was on the books at Rangers. He's in the, the defensive setup at Crusaders. Did Nicky um, Lowe play in the North? What's well, that? Nicky Lowe. He's at Clyde Bank. Nicky Lowe. Oh, but it, did he not play in the North at some he, point? He was at Derry City, I think. Yeah, he was at Derry City for yeah, two seasons. Yeah, he was at Derry City. Yeah, but, but I mentioned McCourt. He was at, at Glenavon for a period of time as well. Uh, Matthew Knox, very good young player. Um, was at Warren Point Town um, last season under Barry Gray. I think he's now playing for Trinent Juniors. Um, a very, very good, a very good midfield player. Um, Alan O'Sullivan was a was a graduate at Aberdeen FC for for many years before going to Warren Point. Um, that's another one you maybe didn't uh, know there. Um, there's a couple of Scottish guys who have played for Portadown. Um, Scott Young is a, of course a very classic example. Was manager at Glen Torren for for. For a few years as well, uh, during the early 2010s, late 2000s. Um, another respected guy, but there's quite a few over the years. There's been a little bit of a cross match, probably more so Scottish-based players go over to Northern Ireland, and Northern Irish players really now go over to Scotland. Although recently, you're seeing a wee bit more of that. Darrow O'Connor is a good example of that. He, he was played for Air United uh, this season um, under Jim Duffy, um, which is uh, very interesting as well. So it's always interesting to see that dynamic uh, as well. So so yeah, just a just a few sprinkling there for you. How you sprinkling? We've got uh, there's one guy who's a Scottish guy who's played in uh, played in Ireland for quite a while. Peter Cherry is a goalkeeper. He initially uh, he was at Airdrie and Clyde. He then went to Cliftonville for I think two seasons. I think he was there at the same time as Liam Boyce. He's then mm. um, gone on to produce quite the career for himself in in the League of Ireland since. Uh, most recently he was at uh, Dundalk. But he ended up being first choice mm. after being second choice at Delhi, Cork, <laughs> pretty much everywhere else that he could possibly have stopped off in between. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's more uh, a case of because in Republic of Ireland at the minute there are quite a lot of Scottish players that I think people have sort of forgot or didn't know were still playing. I mean, we've got Carl Ferguson, who's the son of Barry Ferguson, who mm. uh, has been at Waterford this season, who's actually, to be fair to him, Proved himself to be quite, quite the defender. Uh, unbelievably, he's a he's a centre half who is very good at clearing the ball. <laughs> so, you know, you know this. I feel really bad. There is one Scottish guy that I've completely omitted, and I should really mention him: John Heron, who is of course at <laughs> Larne. Uh, was obviously a, a Celtic uh, youth academy player, uh, unbelievable talent. As is Ben Wiley, who's at Ballymena um, as well. And I mentioned earlier in the chat about Rowan Ferguson, who was at Queen of the South. Uh, last couple of seasons, I think, and then went back over to, to Northern Ireland to play for uh, for Larne. So, uh, so yeah, that's quite interesting. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's quite uh, it's quite the thing because um, the amount of the amount of players that are in, in, in both leagues that you just sort of forget forget about. I mean, um, I mean, as I mentioned earlier on, there, there's guys that have went across to Scotland to chance their arm a little bit, and you know, haven't spoken to people like Andy Warworth and Joe Gormley in the past who have obviously lit up their league for, for Cliftonville at, at, at Linfield, you know, accordingly for Cliftonville and, and Waterworth for Linfield. You know, it, it, it came at a period in a time where the chance to go across the war, the, the sort of trajectory, the transition there was much harder than it maybe is now. You know, there's a lot more academies now. There's a lot more better facilities, training, tuition, nutrition, sports science, all that sort of stuff. You know, you're not seeing as you're seeing more now than you, you are now. But a lot of people more now are 
try to try train themselves to play in a sort of what they would call a men's league, and then taking that step to chance their luck over in uh, over another uh, over in another country. And I know this is a Scottish football podcast, but the one where I'm basically talking about here is Stuart Dallas, who's obviously had a tremendous career uh, at Crusaders and now is obviously playing in the Premier League for Leeds United. And obviously last season we saw that with Shane Lavery going to to Blackpool. Um, so that's just obviously obviously this is Scottish football, but you know that just shows you the the sort of trajectory that that people can go. But you know you're seeing more and more a lot of younger players now sort of trying to kind of use their foundations to play in that league to build themselves up to build up their development and then go across the water rather than go across the water come back when it doesn't work and 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 fit in that way. I think what, one of the important things that's changed recently, especially for the League of Ireland. In, in, sorry, especially in particular for the League of Ireland compared to the other leagues, is the fact that because of Brexit, what we're seeing yep. now is uh, more and more strategic partnerships being set up between UK-based clubs and, 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 and uh, Ireland, the Republic of Ireland clubs, because mm. they can no longer bring in under-18s. Yeah. Uh, what we're seeing is a lot of Republic of Ireland sides are suddenly getting these younger European players coming through their door with an evidential, evident, evidential step that's going to be to the UK once they get mm-hmm. old enough. And because they've played in the League of Ireland, mm-hmm. it means that the international clearance is a lot easier to get yeah. because it shows that they've played a UEFA, in a UEFA league, um, mm-hmm. which is something that we're going to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for in the past, I think League of Ireland in particular, it's, it's been waived. So early on in the League of Ireland's career, say League of Ireland's career, early on in the League of Ireland in the 50s and the 60s, we saw a lot of players go across to Scotland in particular um, and also go vice versa. I mean, Jimmy Johnston and, 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 Jimmy, and Jim Craig both played, uh, both played in Ireland. Uh, Jimmy Johnston played for, for, for Shells. Um, but we're starting to see that happening again. I mean, Dundee United, obviously, we had Sean Dillon who came across. He spent the, the next decade as a first-choice centre-half. And is obviously now uh, at Montrose, uh, playing his trade quite well. Uh, we had... Gavin Gunnan, who started off at Home Farm, which is for people who don't know Home Farm are a boys' club. And in Ireland, uh, boys' clubs are incredibly famous. Joe Orchard's the one that I think most people will remember. Um, but at the minute, what we've got is uh, Aaron McInef at Hearts, uh, who's, who came straight across from Jamrock Rovers uh, last season in the, in the COVID season. He's Starting to come good. We've got uh, Jake Doyle Hayes, who obviously was at, at St. Mirren and has then gone on, gone on to, to do good things with Hibs. Uh, Liam Scales is obviously the example everyone everyone's going to give out because obviously he came directly from from Shamrock Rovers. Uh, a couple of seasons ago, we had obviously Michael Duffy, who went to Celtic as well, and then refused to cap Rangers on the pitch uh, because he's an adult. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Hey, Carroll at Motherwell. Jake, Jake, Jake Carroll, yeah. Uh, yeah, Motherwell and St. Uh, St. Millen, sorry, are particularly good at picking up League of Ireland players. Uh, St. Do, Millen... Do you think, Jeff? do you think that, Jeff, that that's because in recent years that they have had Irish managers who, who know that league? I mean, you're talking Jim Goodwin, who who has, you know, his, his um, knowledge of, of Irish football is second to none. Uh, and then you had, um, well, you had, God... Tommy Wright... Uh, yeah, to, you know, Tommy Wright, you had um, uh, remind me of his name, uh, Stephen Robinson. Stephen Robinson. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. um, and, uh, yeah, you know, you had Oren Kearney there briefly. Um, 
So I think, like you're saying, the, the, the link, uh, the links managerially and in the coaching staff to Ireland over the past maybe ten years between mm. those two clubs particularly has been really, really strong. Yeah. I want to, I want to just jump. Again, it's Irish coaching in Scotland over mm-hmm. the last, well, yeah, the, the last few years. The last few years, it's actually it's, it's Brendan Rodgers obviously did the big one. Of course, he was at Balamina for a period of time as well. Um, yeah, Brendan Rodgers. Yeah, started his career there. It's, it's quite strange because I can't really work out what the problem is. I don't know whether it's, so to speak, lazy scouting. Because it used to be that almost all the top flight clubs in Scotland had scouts in Ireland. And that seems to have drifted away somewhat. And it seems to be when the managers are coming over, they're going back to the leagues that they know. And saying, well, we know this guy's capable. A bit like uh, Anne Spasikov is doing with the Japanese players. It, it seems to be something similar. That if, the player, if the manager knows the league, he's happy. Whereas it used to be, uh, Dundee United were quite good at picking up Irish players in particular, as were Hibs. It, it, it seems to be when an Irish manager comes in, they're happy to go do it. And if it's not an Irish manager or a manager's comfortable in that league, they'd rather go for a bang average of the team. Beyond that, Jeff, though, is it partly maybe you guys were talking about how both the, the League of Ireland and the Donchka Bank Premiership are mostly part time? You're taking a risk if you're then going from part time football to full time. I don't know. I think it's uh, it's it's not it's not overly part time in League of Ireland in particular. It's, it's it's not. There's a few part time teams in the top flight, which obviously handicaps it. What but, would the what would the what do you think the highest wage would be in in the league, player wise? Probably about maximum absolute maximum is probably about two grand absolute absolute. Yeah, that's absolutely yeah. Top, I, I top think top that's goal. probably the same for for Northern right. Ireland with Linfield and maybe Glen Torn, maybe Lauren actually. They're one of the full time clubs. Thinking yeah. about it, could Both. it also be partly down to the fact though that English clubs hover up all the best talent from all over. So yeah, I if think you're going to try and get a bargain, the English clubs are probably sign them because they just sign so many players. A lot of the teams in Ireland only dish out one year contracts. Uh, it's probably the same in Northern Ireland. It's the same in obviously Scottish League as well. There's only one year contracts. Uh, League of Ireland slightly ha- better position these days because it's in the opposite calendar. So mm. when the player goes out of contract in November, that player knows it's unlikely he's going to get picked up in December, January time uh, off, an, off a free transfer, which works into the club's favour. But um, yeah, it, 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 I think part of the issue is it's opposite. Is the for Republic Ireland particular? It's the opposite calendar. Players are reluctant to, to go and start a, a, a halfway through a season when everyone else is up for time and they've had six weeks off. That means um, they've got to do their pre-season, which obviously you don't want to do your pre-season by yourself. Imagine it's wholly, wholly depressing. Um, added to that, I generally don't think people rate it as high as they should. It's the same as Scottish players going down to England these days. We don't see it as often as we used to, especially yeah. at the top team. And I think the conclusion is that people just don't bother rating it mm-hmm. as high as they should. I mean, Ryan Christie should never have gone to Bournemouth. I don't yes. think anyone can really argue with that. And you're kind of thinking to yourself, like Alan Campbell when he went to Luton Town. Alan Campbell is a lot better than Luton Town, with all due respect to Luton Town. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just money, though. It's money. That's what it comes down to, isn't it? And, and, then, um, and, then you, and, and then you look at people like Ali McCann, for example, going to Preston. You know, that's a, that's another one. I think, with all due respect, I think Preston have got an absolute bargain getting him. There's a couple of players that I just wanted to touch on to that actually had quite a good 
journeys in Scotland that have, you know, that one is still there and one that is now retired. Sammy Klingen at Kilmarnock uh, was a very good player. Uh, obviously, was at Glenavon. Uh, and and then obviously was at Killy for a period of time. And one guy that is actually playing under uh, Tommy Wright at the moment, I think he's actually injured at the moment, but a guy I've spoken to on my show, uh, Brad Lyons, uh, obviously was part of that Morecambe team that got promoted to uh, to League One via the playoffs. Uh, but he also won the Irish Cup with Coleraine. Um, and a lot of people actually quite like Brad Lyons. And it's quite funny because a lot of people are joking about the fact that Brad and I are quite, quite similar in terms of looks. And they thought there might be a bit of a doppelganger discussion there, but it never materialised, which is quite funny. <laughs> but yeah, just, good players. Just before we continue, how is it again you say three in Irish? How do you pronounce it? Tree. So Christmas is coming. Uh, anyone got their Christmas tree up? Mine's is, is certainly up, John. Uh, unfor- unfortunately, at the moment, uh, I'm, in a, I'm in isolation at the moment, uh, meaning that I can't go out to the shop to buy Christmas lights. So, but the tree's up. Right, okay. So is it standing proud or standing tall? It's standing tall. And as you know, uh, John McGinn is at the top of the tree. Jo- John McGinn is at the top of your tree. Is it bushy, the tree? Is that a real one or a fake the, one? The tree is very bushy. Very bushy. Right, okay. So... Yesterday, we went and get our tree for the old festive season. It's it's tall, it's big, it's bushy, and it needs, the missus reckoned it needs trimmed back a bit. Uh, this is the tree we're talking about, by the way. But, as we all know on the podcast, there's other things that need trimmed. So, Manscaped, 4.0. And Josh, you've still got the, is it 2.0 you've got? I'm, I'm still with the 2.0, but I'm, but I'm definitely, I'm upgrading soon, certainly. Upgrading soon, hopefully in your sack. For Christmas, uh, it's definitely I've got a furry sack downstairs that is uh, it's going in for Christmas, hopefully. Right, okay, so a furry sack's always good, but with Manscaped, you can get your ball sack, your car sack, every sack trimmed 4.0 SFF podcast, capital letters, 20% off, and free shipping. Now, they've got a great range of products apart from we talk about their lawnmower 4.0 because that's the daddy of the products, right. You also now have the refined cologne. So if you want to smell good, it is for your your normal place you put it. I don't think it's for your... I think I wouldn't be spraying it down there. I don't think. Unless for a wee kiss under the mistletoe. But get involved anyway. It's good stuff. I use it. Josh uses it. Josh is hoping that he gets the upgrade for his Christmas. If he's been, he's been naughty and nice this year. Always, always on Santa's good list, mate. Always. We sat on Santa's knee. Hey, that's enough of that. It's a family <laughs> show. <laughs> but uh, honestly, get involved anyway. Uh, we're hoping as well, as it's Christmas gifting season, we're hoping to give some products to some guests. So we will have a think about who deserves it, who's been on the nice list, um, and who deserves some products, all right? So, yeah, get involved. SFF Podcast, capital letters, uk.manscape.com, 20% free shipping. Okay. Grant, that's a lovely tree you've got. Quite short, though. Quite a, quite a small tree. But size is not everything, as we know. Absolutely. It is not. <laughs> it's all about quality, not quantity. And uh, sad, to, sad to announce it's a fake tree as well. So, oh, uh, yeah. It's all right. All right. We won't mind. <laughs> we, don't, we don't mind. Have you been to talk about that fake? No, no, we're not on the landscape anymore. The trees, the trees, the fake trees. 
No, right, okay. Right, so back, back to the football, um, the, more the influence in terms of Irish players coming here. We're getting towards the, the showstopper, the, the team, this all-Ireland team. Goalkeeper. For me, for me, for me, uh, John, I, I, had a, I had a good think of this. If we're talking post nineties, I'm I'm thinking of players that I can remember. Okay. Um, now, no that's a good start. Good now, start. Now, I know. <laughs> now, I know. Uh, including po- po- if you include post nineties, it technically includes Packy Bonner, um, who is generally considered as one of Ireland's greatest keepers. Uh, but for me, I don't remember anything. I don't. You know, he's not a player that I remember. Ah, you're so, too young for so that. Out, and for me, it came down to two players, uh, and it came down to a, a go between. Um, in second place was Darren Randolph. Yeah. Um, yeah but in first place, it had to go to Alan Manis, who was, who is, uh, still, you know, plugging away for, to be that consistent for St Johnson for so many years. Just incredible. It was. It was a great goalkeeper. Okay, keeper uh, Jeff and Grant. Do you share that? Yeah. I, I, I have Manus down. Uh, what I will say is I'd add a little bit of a wild card in as a potential outsider. Jonathan Tuffy was very good for Patrick Thistle over the years. Remember, he came after Kenny Arthur, who was a very, very good goalkeeper for the Jags in the 90s. But I'm very much on board Manus' ship. He was a very good keeper for St. Johnson. Uh, and obviously a cup winner as well. So for me, shooing as the keeper. Yeah, it's, it's, to, be, to be honest, it's Alan Manus. I mean... If you are questioning whether Alan Manus is still capable in particular, then take a look at some of his penalty saves this season. He probably won Rovers that title with his performance this season in particular. His performances in Europe, given his age, is still phenomenal. Uh, watch the highlights from last season when Rovers played AC Milan and watch some of the saves he puts in against none other than Zlatan. <laughs> Uh, he 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 was he's a very good keeper. who's annoyingly good when he's at St Johnston. He probably won St Johnston their Scottish Cup. Agreeingly, um, he's performed ever since he was at Linfield. Uh, he he definitely, in my opinion, is probably yeah to play in Scotland anyway the best unreal keeper for Linfield. Unreal. Think, yeah, um, I think Hibs fans are being a bit biased with this one. Uh, Conrad Logan. Uh, I think that was just because he won the Scottish Cup. He won the Scottish uh, so, I did. I did. Like, was, I, do, I, I do. love cult status. Exactly. Exactly. That, yeah, when that yeah. that group of uh, Hibs fans emerged on Twitter that, that travelled down to who was it? Was it, was it Carlisle or something? Who was with? Is it Mansfield? And the Mansfield. Went down, yeah, went down yeah, to and, Mansfield. Uh, they all, they all that was hilarious. Actually, as well, like I think part of the reason why he was a cult figure, he looked like one of us in terms of well, maybe I speak for myself in terms of uh, a bit of a belly in Irish football. Was it pies as well? Uh, you know, do, 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 do you know? I, I well, I, I spoke to my, I spoke I mean, when I was speaking to my cousins about pies uh, a few weeks ago. They were telling me uh, no, they, and, and I'm not joking. Here, here was the phrase they used: "Too British." Yeah, I, I know that. I know exactly. that some. I know that. <laughs> but like, I know they, have, some, like, they have pies in Australia, like all that type of thing. Like, uh, but I, I, historic, historically, I think there's been a bit of lacrimony in Ireland. I, I suppose the colony as well, but Australia, though, I suppose as well. Yeah, it's, it, it's mostly burgers, isn't it? Yeah, ah, I like a good burger, to be fair. You get chips in Korea a lot like most times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don Gannon, Don have a very good burger fan, apparently. I'm so I'm told. I don't believe. I don't believe in Ireland. They're going to sell potato products. <laughs> uh, you get um, potato. What about potato crisps? Potato crisps. 
Scott McGill raves by... They are the bollocks thing. Um, <laughs> is that another uh, ad? Bollocks? No. Uh, to be fair, you missed, you missed the ad when we said that uh, Conrad Logan played Mansfield. Uh, that was the best line of the other. Just stepped straight into that. Mansfield. Um, no, so Madison goals. Madison goals. Madison goals. Yeah. In, in Ireland, um, what you get quite often is fish and chip fans. Because it's Friday night. Yeah. You do get lots of points against, but you get fish and chip fans quite a lot because a lot of the games are on Friday nights. And Why is that? Fish and uh, chips wow. on Friday night. Well, that's a religious thing. You don't eat meat on a Friday. But um, <laughs> but uh, no, the, the the reason why League of Ireland played on the Friday night was weirdly so they could try and make it more popular to compete with the English Premier League when that came in in the nineties. So they moved all the games to a Friday night, but they didn't really tell anyone. <laughs> they just started playing them all on a Friday night, and then. Their attempt was to get more fans in through the gates on the Friday and Saturday when people watch Match of Day or Sky or whatever, that the people could go the night beforehand. Uh, but no, it, the fan numbers never changed. They always okay. stay the same. Right. Only because we've discussed them, I take it Lennon and Davis are both in the team. For yes. Uh, not mine. <laughs> not, not yours. I've, I should add that I stuck strictly to players that have played in the League of Ireland. Uh, oh. Oh. Uh, I'd also played in Scotland right uh, not just random Irish players so uh, apologies because mine is different to that because okay. I've got Paddy McCourt in mine and Roy Keane Paddy McCourt in centre midfield yeah in centre midfield Paddy McCourt and Roy Keane were my two but that's because uh, Paddy McCourt's played everywhere to be fair um, I, like I can't imagine him playing actual central midfield he struggled to play I know he was very very skillful right I like Paddy McCourt watched him but did he play midfield there, like centre mid in the middle of the park? Yeah, towards the end of his career, and he said in the interview that I heard, there was basically the reason why he started doing it when he was at Ben Hart was more because he couldn't be bothered running anymore. So he played centre midfield? <laughs> yeah, he played centre midfield, pinging the passes up because he didn't want to do the running. Right, and okay. He never wanted to do the running, even when he was at Celtic <laughs> in, his, in his pomp. Um, so that's why Paddy McCourt was there. And Damien Duff was the other one that I don't think many other people would have had. Hmm. Well, no, no, I, I was thinking, Damien Duff, but, but did, did he, I don't know if he played in Scotland, did he? But, but he certainly, you know, he's, he's certainly... Oh, been a, he was just in the sport. management staff, wasn't he? Yeah, certainly been a fighter in Scotland. We can't have I, players that didn't play, to be fair. It, I know. I mean, actually, they should players that actually did something in Scotland. I, mean, I, I think, the court, the, I think the, court, the court we could at least take, because McCourt at least played some football. Roy Keane, as much as he's a legend of the game, he, he did nothing in Scotland. You got... Um, at the back, the one that I had, I know that we said 90s, but I didn't think I could miss him off, was Jim Craig. Because um, mm. he was a Lisbon Lion, he played for Watford, and he was phenomenal in both. If you read the reports of when he was at Watford, he was the best player by the country mile. Uh, but that's just me. I really go first-hand, first-hand account, I think, in terms of views. Much as these guys are legends, like I know... Uh, Scott, who was hoping to come on the podcast, was talking about coaching staff. Uh, Sean Fallon, obviously. Um, if we went oh, wait, into coaching, should we should we give you our teams and our formations, John? Well, no, I like to do it this way and get the debate over positions. Right, right okay. That's what okay, I like okay. to do. Okay. So midfield, we've maybe got Lennon and Davis for most people. Is that? Yeah, they are mine. And if we were going, yeah, they're mine as well. Jeff, if we were going from nineties now to players that played well in Scotland. Uh, yeah, I've got Paddy McCourt still because I still think Aye. he's phenomenal. But yeah, uh, okay, so McCourt's 
Yeah, you're get. I mean, you're getting you're getting Paddy McCorn and Roy Keane to be fair. Um, I mean, Wiley didn't set the heather on fire when he was in Scotland. Roy Keane's still Roy Keane. Yeah. Oh, but it's more like the impact in Scottish football, which Roy Keane didn't have much impact in Scottish football. True. Is Agree. <laughs> well, well, I mean, not in the football pitch, but no. I mean, when he came, when he came, it was box office. Aye, but that's 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 we're not here for movies. We're here for football, <laughs> right? <laughs> We're here for fans. <laughs> <laughs> We're here for what they did in the pitch. Right. The only reason why I'm starting middle to front is because I think that's maybe easier. So up front, are we going a midfield three or a, it's only not midfield three, a front three or a front two? Or a front four? I've gone maybe. four or two because I'm basic. I'm, 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 actually, I've gone three. I've gone, I've gone like a three, two, three, two. No. What is that? Three. Have you gone for that like a reverse Christmas tree formation? No, no, I've done, I've done like a, I've done like a three, three at the back. No, it's it's more like a five three two. Yeah, with with two kind of wing backs. A five, right? A five three. Right, okay, so right, let, right. Who's your two up front then, Josh? Uh, Liam Boyce and Robbie Keane. Right, okay. Yeah, I have Robbie Keane as well. <laughs> so we go, we go, we go. Keane only sits one spell, and it was just a, a panic buy just to appease the Celtic fans as Rangers. Rather out of the league. Well, it was, you know, he's, he's still, I think he could like, he maybe had like 20 apps and like 15 goals. It was, he did well. it was really he did good. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Do you yeah. know, and he's, and he's one, of, one of the greatest Irish footballers ever. He didn't like Keenan. He, he did at least contribute to sit playing for Celtic, but it, mm. it was a panic. It was a panic loan. Yeah. It was only to appease the fans because they were, they were pish, basically. Uh, I've uh, got Robbie Keenan. I, I would love, I, I wish actually McGill had made this podcast tonight. Uh, so that we could have just rubbed that in like a wee bit I've got Robbie Keane and John Daly that's because I'm a Dundee United fan John Daly <laughs> put your hands up for John Daly exactly I mean John Daly was in my thinking as well Jeff. He, he, he genuinely was he was a top performer for many years yeah he, he, the consistency of goals throughout his entire time especially at United I, 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 didn't, I don't know what happened to him after that um, but yeah, he. Uh, it was Craig Levine uh, happened to him after once, I think. No. Uh, Craig, he went to Rangers, didn't he? Um, but he ended up at Hearts, having the coaching staff and all that, didn't he? I used to run up and down the standard Pythodry, giving people advice. Uh, <laughs> he, um, I think he, he got, <clears throat> excuse me, he got into mind purely because the consistency of over the years of what he produced as a striker, and also partly because I was struggling like mad to think of another Irish striker. I see what you're doing, Jeff. Here, like you're like a Dundee United da, like putting in all these ex Dundee United players. I'm, Craig Conway. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, that, I mean, uh, actually, Erin. So we need to like say Erin was supposed to be on the podcast tonight, but I think she's too excited about having her steak and chorizo pie at St Johnson and Saturday. To be fair, though, there's no evidence because <laughs> I, I don't want to see the pie as it is. I want to see the contents for proof. Uh, there's no proof that was a steak and cheese or pie. Are you all with me? We want to see the inside agreed. of the pie. Agreed. We need the I, content. I got a pie not that long ago from a company that's quite well known that uh, is connected in some ways to church bells. Uh, and I had a pie and I, literally, I'm not going to lie to you, the inside was missing. There's no filling. Oh. <laughs> I will send everyone the photo later. It was discreet. Um, it, was, uh, that, it was a disaster. Um, aye, it was weird. <laughs> Pastry was there, but there was no inside. <laughs> so someone's someone's done you with that one. Solus is what that was. Aye, that's no, nah, that's no one. At least though, if you're at the football, the arse of it's not going to fall out. 
did say to him that I'd bring, on, bring it up on a regional podcast in front of many listeners. <laughs> <That's it>. Oh, oh. <laughs> but that's the, now that you're a regular, like you're starting dissing the, your own podcast, this is shocking. No, nah, I was dissing them. I was like, I'll oh, bring it up. Okay, they okay, don't know okay. which one it is. That's fine, that's fine. Grant, <laughs> what did you go, two or three up front or four? Yep, I or went five? two. Two. I went to uh, I went Boyce and Adam Rooney Boyce and Rooney right okay I'm not sure I'm not sure how they would work though because uh, well, they're both penalty box strikers both <laughs> not very little movement yeah, quite in yeah. the same space right. yeah okay but, I'm, think, I'm thinking of partnerships, and yeah, maybe that might not work too well. But <laughs> well, the, yeah, the, if you get the service, which I've got in my other uh, my, oh, on my flags, uh, right? Okay, okay. Then, the and then that makes a difference. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, who have you got on the flanks then? Uh, take, now take, again, are you four four two then? As, as well. Uh, as I'm, I'm playing three four three. Uh, sorry, no, three, uh, four, four, two, sorry. <laughs> four, four, two, sorry. <laughs> hey, four, four, two, sorry. I just, I, I don't know. Uh, this is why we manage. I, I, nearly <laughs> wanted to play, I nearly wanted to play a number 10 here, so it was almost like a three, one, three, four, one, two. Oh, for um, fuck's sake. <laughs> How many formations right. we got with a system? No, no we'll, we'll, go, we'll go four, four, two. You're, so you're going I'm, four, right? Right, so I'll, I'll put McGinn and Hayes as my... McGinn and Hayes, Okay. So begin Davis, Lennon, Hayes, midfield for Boyce and Rooney up front. That's a that's a strong well, six. That's competitive. Yeah, well, I like <laughs> it. I like it. That's a competitive six. Right, uh, Jeff. Who did you have? Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, well, we know who you. Sorry, we know who you had in midfield. Yeah, uh, right. Hayes and McGinn were my, my, my two out wide. I couldn't. Really, wide. I, I was struggling to think of anyone else that over the over the last twenty years, uh, ten years, who was. I've Irish descent who's been as good on the wings. Those two are the best I've got with. I think the fact is really they've lasted so long in Scottish football as well. I mean, McCarthy like, not... got a mention, but I mean, it's only sort of an honourable mention in dispatches because he hasn't done anything much since he's come back. Gosh, do you know who actually there is that none of us have maybe mentioned? Aidan McGeady. Shane Duffy. Nah. Uh, <laughs> not for Aidan no um, not, not Not for me. Uh, I tried to stick to ones that have done really well in Scotland. I know Aidan McGeady was great, but over the piece, he wasn't as much of a cult hero as Paddy McCourt is. I'm going to be honest, slightly See, overrated. That, then, though, how can we have Robbie Keane on the back of six months? Because would you want to say to Robbie Keane he's not in your team? Aye, <laughs> right. aye. I, I think he'll shoot me away his bone arrow. Yeah, he's, he's... He used to do the bone arrow, not remember the, the archer celebration, no? Aye, but... It, <laughs> who got? Who gets you off your seat more, Robbie Keane when he's on the ball, or Aidan McGeady? You're more likely to stand up for Roy, Robbie Keane when. Aye, well, Robbie Keane's more up front through the middle, but at least McGeady did did play in Scotland for a while. Mm. Yeah, it, it, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying that I should be a manager, but yeah, Aidan McGeady. I just um, yeah. No. Yeah, I, I'm not having Aidan McGeady either. No, no it's was... only it's only a throwing it out there. I'm like no way as another wide player because he's a wide player. I, I think oh. I think if you're talking if you're talking wide players, um, if you're talking wide players, yeah, I, I'm I'm hazing McGinn for me. Well, that's um, fine. That, that's just, just, that just stalwarts. That suits me. I'm just throwing something in the mm-hmm. the mix. What, what what I do like is I've got a Rangers fan and a North Irish football fan and no one mentioned Carl Laffey. Yeah, yeah, well, that, that's quite... cult. That is a cult hero. If ever there was one, <laughs> <laughs> was, that, was that a cult? Cult? Did you say C U L T? 
To be fair, I think Kyle Lafferty would like that banter too. Uh, for me, Lafferty is it's been too hot and cold over the years. He was, he yeah. was great at Rangers in his first spell. Then he went away. He's, he was he had a torrid few years. He came back, was really good at Hearts for one season. Um, then he was, you know, he came to Rangers again. He was poor. And then he went to Kelly. He was great. And then, you know, um, yeah, too hot and cold for me. Just let himself down too many times. Yeah, yeah. What, so if we're talking about another player that let themselves down too many times, Anthony Stokes... Yeah. Anthony yeah. Stokes had all the talent to be, I think, a really good striker. But unfortunately, he... I think he liked the, the lifestyle of being a footballer more yes. than he liked being a footballer. To, to be fair to Stokes, he was a major reason why Hibs won the cup final in 2016. Yeah. Now, yeah. Everybody remembers the David Gray goal, but he scored the other yeah. two goals in the final. He did a trial in the summer at Rovers, at Charlotte Rovers. Did he? Uh, uh, an attempt to get in a move. Um, his uh, court case in Scotland was the reason why his move got pinned off. Also, uh, they stated that they thought he was within eight, three, I think it was three to four weeks from fitness. Um, and he, was, was it this season that he, was it last season that he signed for Livy and then nine days later realising they played on plastic pitches? <laughs> Left. That's high. Yeah, that's um, right. I'm not really sure. Anthony Stokes is a really weird one because of all the players that we've mentioned that have come across from Ireland, he's the one that goes back the most. And yet he's also the one that's weirdly never played there at all. That Dover's thing was the closest he ever got. Do you know who I've just remembered up front, which might actually be better than boys, I think? Tommy Coyne. It's a bit before my time, though. He has yeah, 90s. He's, 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 he played it. He was at the 94 World Cup. He's a, a bit from the bottom. All um, oh, right, so so what? But there's no playing for Celtic in like the eighties. He played at Motherwell and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, at Motherwell. Uh, Him and his brothers were. I I think Rudy's better than boys. I'll be honest with you. In terms of what the folk have done in Scotland, I think boys probably gets it more on consistency. I mean, uh, Rooney had really good seasons and then. Really poor seasons, and really good seasons, whereas Boyce has been fairly consistent throughout all of the seasons, all the way across. And um, to be fair, when Boyce came across to Inverness from Cliftonville, I don't think anyone expected him to perform as well as he did, the way he did. He, he took that step, like Andy Robertson takes, was his steps up. Absolutely, I agree with that, 100%. Um, that's probably why Boyce would get mine back. Like that. Okay, fair enough. Also, Rooney hasn't really had much international recognition for his <laughs> for his time, especially when during a period when Republic have been after strikers. Pretty hard for him to get a chance for Bobby Keane. To be fair. Not for the last five years. <laughs> I bet he's been at bloody Salford and the likes since then. He's still got a call up there. And he chases the dollar. <laughs> for that. The donor or the dollar? Uh, both. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, okay, so defence. Uh, oh, well, uh, jo- sorry, John, I've got oh. one more midfielder. Have you got one more midfielder? Yep, I do. I've got one more midfielder because uh, I'm playing I'm playing uh, five in midfield, mind. Okay. Well, well you, you're either five or three, depending. Yeah, I'm, I'm more, more, three, more a three, five, two. Uh, three, uh, aye, that's in, what in, I expect from an Italian yeah. Uh, influence. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, Cataraccio and all that. 
Um, <laughs> no, um, so uh, yeah, I've got Lennon and Davis sent us uh, kind of central mid, uh, but I've actually just in front of them, not really attacking mid, more of a I don't know, more of a John McGinn box to box type role. Okay. Um, Ali McCann. Yeah. And I, Ali because Khan. I, I no. just. I just think, even though he was, you know, only really two or three adult seasons, I think he is going places. What did you say? Two or three adults, like adult seasons. Two, two. I mean, was it maybe two seasons as a fully kind of adult senior aye, player? Aye. Um, yeah, I, I just think he's going far. I think he's, you know, he's a future Stephen Davis. I, yeah. I remember, uh, obviously, Nori, friend of the podcast, as a St. Johnson fan, <laughs> and he had said that. Genuinely, he thought Ali McCann was the best talent they had had since maybe the, the original Bug Thatcher at the club. Uh, and but again, view, listeners might not remember the original Sergio Bug Thatcher was like a USSR international, mm. like was a bloody good player. That that's how good he thought Ali McCann was, and said Ali McCann has potential to be not far off world class. Uh- Ali McCann's going to be one of the ones that comes back to haunt Scotland for not getting a neck quicker. There's been a few. He's excellent for Northern Ireland as well. A really yeah, big talent internationally. I think it's his dad. His dad's Northern Irish, isn't he? Um, as far as, as far as I know, so I think that's probably played a big part on him on his decision as well. Because because he, he did play for Northern Ireland youth, didn't he? He played for Scotland and Northern Ireland youth. I think mm-hmm. it's a mixture of his dad being obviously quite proud from being Northern Ireland, and also Tommy Wright. Yeah. Uh, so he did quite a few appearances for the Northern Irish team, but he's also had eight appearances for, for Northern Ireland so far. So you yeah. think Tommy Wright put him in the cupboard and said, You're not getting out until you say you're playing for Northern Ireland. There's um there's a book called uh, Goalposts and Gunshots, and I endorse that you read that if you want an idea of uh, Tommy Wright off the pitch <laughs> when it comes to yeah. Northern Ireland. Yeah. You will find out that he definitely would have. Yeah, very, very good, very good manager, <laughs> very good manager of Balamina. Um, you probably talked about that. Um, Balamina have always been, you know, credited with a lot of Scottish-based managers because Kenny Shields was there as well. And of course, he came to Scotland and won the, the League Cup with Kilmarnock. So. I like Kenny Shields. I've met Kenny Shields, absolute gentleman. Uh, and uh, and obviously the current he, Northern he, Irish he, women's coach, who's doing very well there. Remember, Dean Shields as well. Not, not, not a contender for this team, but a no. good player. Dean Shields. Yeah. I think it Hibs in particular. One thing you've got to say about Dean Shields, um, John, uh, is, and, and, I, and I don't mean this in a flippant way, but see, to play football at that level with one eye and and, yep. and not have that kind of sense of, you know, I know how it affects your sense of depth, perception and all that, um, particularly, you know, you know and, and to play at that level is out, is amazing. Um, for him, you know, it's incredible, and you know, to think, um, yeah, 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 he was a, he was a top, is and was a top player, uh, but not quite in my team. No, I agree, totally spot on as well with the fact that, like, yeah, his situation is one eye and playing so well. But we should say as well, it's a wee bit off subject a wee bit just now, but the abuse he got for that as well off certain fans is ridiculous. That's that's been going on for years, and it's terrific. Um, aye, there's banter and there's like just being cruel. Yeah. So uh... we, we don't like bullying or nastiness on the podcast, as we know. So defense. Now I'm going to go with like I'm going to start with a comment from one of the feedback we got online, 
you'll know him from commentary. Does Stephen Cragen go in the team? Yes. Like Grant, you're quite adamant that he's going in. Do other would... people think he goes in? Taking it off what he did in Scotland as well, and I wouldn't personally, but obviously the Northern Ireland he was consistently good. And if you take that point of view, then Jay's got a fair shout of it. If you take what he did in Scotland, then probably less so, in my opinion. But that's just that's just me. I I think there are other defenders of Irish origin who are probably arguably better. But okay. I've got oh. no issue, no issue with him being in it really. I'm going to go another one, which I'm pretty sure if I recall was a centre-back, but it might be wrong. This was after extra time shots. Graham Coughlin? Might not pronounce his surname right. Livingston? Oh, right. I, um, was he a centre-back? Was he? I'm I trying mean, to think. It was one of those names that I recognised. It was, it was at Livy at that time when they were sort of mental, so <laughs> it's hard to tell where anyone What do you mean think? at that time when Livy were mental? Livy are always mental. Like, well, <laughs> I, I think, know, but was he not there when the Brazilian manager was in charge? He was a centre-back. I've, I've checked. Just The advantage of doing our podcast online is that we can Google things. Yeah, centre-back. <laughs> um, I don't... I mean, I'll be honest, I don't really recall him. My, my two centre-backs well. were Aaron Hughes and yeah. Sean Dillon were my two. But that's because Sean Dillon played consistently at the top level for 10 years at Scotland. Won the league in Ireland as well, and is still going strong at the minute. And Aaron Hughes is because well, just look at his record. I mean, Gareth McClory was a shout with mine as well. Yes, he was. He's he's in. He's in. He's kind of in mine because you kind of have to put him in because of his yeah. uh, his career as a whole. Um, but in Scotland again, if we go and what he did in Scotland, he had a lot of injuries. Yeah, Aye, so, so that's why he didn't add to that. That's why I took him out. Yeah. but normally yeah. I would have him in. Yeah, he entered mine because of his performances in the past. But yeah, Sean Dillon and, and, and I've went, I've, I've went for um, Sean Dillon as well. Um, I've, I've, I've put Gareth McCauley in my team. Um, same as Robbie Keane. Just maybe then, you know, not that many. Only one, only they have one season. But you know, based on the fact the quality of a player he was, um, I felt could not could he take him out. Uh, yeah. But my third centre back is, uh, and I know he played defensive mid as well, uh, but my third centre back is Jim Goodwin. Ah, I yeah, like I, Jim I, Goodwin a lot I, as a player. I couldn't put Jim Goodwin in out of principle, but I do. What, <laughs> I, what principle? That is a weak. Let's rephrase that. Uh, that he, um, the way he played against certain younger players, I thought was very disgraceful, to be fair. Like the way he, in particular, the one that stands out is the way he got sent off against United when he was playing up against Aaron Connolly. And Aaron Connolly was oof, 18, 19, and genuinely it was bullying. It, 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 that was pretty poor. And the we, fact that after that he continued to do it, I thought was pretty bad. But that's. Do we not think, no, and I'm not excusing anything like this, but if we think about Scott Brown as a Scottish player, Scott Brown. Well, with his experience, I think when he played against younger no, does, does the same. Scott Brown never stood above the player. They shouted into the player's face after he'd done it. Scott Brown would wipe the player out and then walk off. Or he'd go and act really big balls to the Celtic fans or the Aberdeen fans now. Um, he wasn't the sort of person to stand above a player and belittle him after doing that to him. But that is solely my opinion. 
I respect him as a player. I respect him. I think he's a phenomenal manager. And as a manager, I've uh, grown to respect, grown to quite like him as a manager. I think he's phenomenal as a manager. Um, he's one of I those didn't players, like him as a player. He's one of those players, I think, a bit like we see so many times on the pitches, uh, a bit of a bar steward. But then you hear him talking and he's like, Who, who's this guy? Um, yeah, I, I, but... I think he's very open and honest when he gets interviewed. I don't. Yeah. I think. I think there's certain managers. I think in Scotland, whereby a team doesn't do well, and it, maybe rightly or wrongly, they either say they don't see things or whatever. Yeah. I, oh, no, no, I don't no, think no. Jim Goodwin criticizes players, but I think he always gives an honest assessment. Of oh, no, as, a, as a manager, I think he's he's phenomenal, and like I said, I've got to like him. I just didn't like him as a player at all, Fair and enough. I thought the way he acted, in particular, especially towards younger players, both on his side and on opposition side. It might have just been in this character. It might have just been the way he was brought up, but I, I, I didn't think it was... I didn't like it. That's the reason I didn't put him in. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> are we going three or four at the back? Have we worked out what we Well, I, I, haven't picked, I haven't picked my four yet. And I, I, I'm going to bang the drum for Stephen Cregan because I, I, I cannot understand why you guys are not giving Cregan the credit deserved because... You know, Just for that slight tackle and something. <laughs> well, well, well. <laughs> but, the best <laughs> to be fair to Cregan, right? You cannot, uh, uh, you cannot fail to, you know, have a go at his uh, loyalty because his loyalty was sensational for the clubs he was at. You know, two stints at Motherwell, over three hundred appearances. You know, Partick Thistle, over hundred appearances. Very solid centre half. Yes, he's the record own goals defender, but you know, there's a lot of great players, defenders have, have scored lots of old goals. Look at Richard Dunn as a great example, Dan Seth, and, and Jamie Carragher is quite high up there too. But he's very, very good for Northern Ireland. And I, I just think defensively, Craigard was very good internationally. There was a lot of players I thought that were that were very good internationally that maybe didn't quite live up to their hype in, in, in the club game. And Craigard was probably one of those. David Healy is a great example of that when he was obviously in a Northern Ireland shirt. But but at club level, Healy wasn't that magnificent a player, really, uh, particularly at Rangers. Uh, so I went Craig and Dylan. Um, I've actually gone um, for McCauley. I've, I've put him back in because I have to put him back in because of the, what, the, the what? cost. Like, I, I feel like this is like a, a vendetta against me. No, no, no. no. And, but, and, I'm, and I'm picking a current player. I'm picking Michael Smith at Hearts. Michael yeah. Smith. I could shout, could shout. Like, I think Michael Smith, Michael Smith is such a solid player at Hearts. Uh, it doesn't really put a foot wrong. Uh, I just think that's a very solid defensive formation. That, and I know I've picked McCauley as a little bit of a cop out, but you know, you cannot fail to put him in because of his career as a whole, especially for Northern Ireland internationally. But he did have a spell in Scotland, so that's why I put oh, him in here. There's God. a little caveat God. in there. You're, you're not invited to any water line. You're not coming. Yeah. You're not coming. I feel like I'm getting ganged up on you or not. It's you. It's up to you guys. I've no really have a say. I'm just I'm, uh, the I need players. To get, I need, I'm just I need to get, putting the. I'm just putting the players out there on you guys. I need to get my. I need to get my foot down harder. Stamp. Uh, what? I'm only joking. You, oh, did, you, did you hear that? You, you guys are witness to this. That he said he's going to stamp on. Did you hear that? 
Uh, oh, the only, the only I, difference I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But, but, but why are we having a go at Macaulay when you pick a Jim Goodwin as a defender? Jim Goodwin was a midfielder. That was Josh. 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 Total football. He's I'm not like, having Goodwin that. Playing some kind of centre back, yeah. defensive midfield role. He's picking a Ralph Ranick style team. John, <laughs> look, uh, look. I know, I know, we're having a laugh in that, right? But I think Jim Goodwin in total football. Should never, <laughs> not even that they should never be in the same sentence, they should never be in the same country. But as yeah. it's Christmas, if we have to give a shout out for like the best beard, closest Santa, Jim Goodwin it's not, every it's day. Not, it's not as thick, but Jim Goodwin. I mean, uh, I, no, I, was... I'm not quite sure he's the same person because on the pitch, he was total bald as an eagle. Aye. Hashtag um... ad manscaped. <laughs> 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 The only difference between mine and Grant's is that I still think Aaron Hughes gets in. Over the yeah, he probably, he, pro- he, pro- he probably does. He probably does, to be I'm fair. But the reason I'm picking McCall is because of his international... Of this is, did he do about Hearts, Aaron Hughes? Yeah, yeah. It was um, for the season, two seasons he was at Hearts. He, the first season in particular, he was very good. In the second season, he turned out to be quite good because uh, he started off on the bench and then John Sutter had his ACL injury and he came in and covered him for the rest of that season mm. uh, which I've, if I remember right was that the season that Hearts got to the did they get to the Scottish Cup final that season or did they get to the semi-final the one where uh, Daniel Stendhal took over at some point it, 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 in my opinion Aaron Hughes and also if you're going to take his previous experience Aaron Hughes got to a UEFA Cup final with Fulham aye but it's not it's impact in Scotland that's a oh, thing. aye, but I mean, McCordy so was coming that, off the bench for Rangers in a Rangers side that I think, as everyone probably remember, was <laughs> was that same Rangers side that had um, Martin uh, Martins in it? Remember Russell that, um, Martin. Russell Martin, aye. Um, he got pushed out of the Rangers squad for Russell Martin. <laughs> I mean, By the way, McCauley <laughs> made seven appearances for Rangers. Exactly, so. exactly, Grant. That's well, what I'm saying. Like, you guy, I mean, you're just picking players that. But, 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 but he's still made appearances. So. Picking players uh, that he's, still staying, he's still staying in my it's team. The whole problem. No. I'll put, I'll put, I'll end up putting the foot down and just say, no, McCauley, no. So you can't have a player, seven appearances. Same as Roy Keane, no. So McCauley's no Roy Keane. No. So. Fair enough. I'll, I'll bow to Aaron Hughes more than. Right. Hughes, Craig, and. It's kind of in, I think, on consensus. I think yeah. we need to get this team out. Otherwise, this podcast will be out in 2022. I mean, <laughs> two or three podcasts before we even get to that stage. So, it, Madison goal was, I think, unanimous. Yeah. Yes. Just say yes. Don't say anything yep. else. Yep. But Robbie Keane's just going in there just because I can't be bothered with all debate about that. Yep. Liam Boyce. Aye, uh, okay. Pays McGinn, guaranteed. Yep. Lennon Davis, guaranteed. Yep. I think we've kind of gone 4 4 2, I think, overall. Mm-hmm. Sean Dillon could play right back. <laughs> I mean, we'll put Dillon in a three. We'll put him in as a part of a three. Yeah, safe. safe. Uh, <laughs> and we want a bit of entertainment. Shall we chuck in Paddy McQuart? Yeah, get a few people off the seat. Chuck it, chuck it. Yeah, maybe, 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 maybe a one in behind the two or McGeady. I think McGiddy would be more shouting McCourt. No, 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 no. McGiddy, no. McGiddy, no. John, 
John, you're not getting Aidan McGeady in this team, mate. How is Aidan McGeady not in this team? Try it more now. I reckon this is an age thing. You guys must not be too young to remember McGeady. McGeady. I, I remember, remember McGeady. You're not getting him in this team. If, if we can remember Paddy Court, you can remember Aidan McGeady. Aye, McGeady, well, <laughs> McGeady like, went for like about, did he go for about 10 million? Paddy McCourt went for 20 fags and a, a fish and chips. I know, but he was entertaining. And also, the only entertaining <laughs> thing Aidan McGeady's ever done is call a load of boys in that Sunderland documentary a bunch of wee bams. I know, but it was no. Gen- McGeady was a good player, honestly, when he was at Celtic and originally, oh. first couple of seasons, he was brilliant. Um, but I think we'll put Paddy McCourt in for the banter. Right. It's yeah. It's a bit like Okay. And we want entertainment, don't we? Yep. Yeah. Who doesn't? And we don't like Aidan McGeady because he chose Ireland over Scotland. I mean... Wrong episode to bring it up. Like, I think. <laughs> <laughs> How so? No, we're not allowed to say things like that. I mean, we've already like said like we're out of cold. We've called Ireland, the South of Ireland, Republic of Ireland. And that's just covering every political base. Is it? Hopefully, we're covering yeah. every. No one fills any one's DMs. By the way, are we picking a manager. Well, I need to give a shout here. Because uh, Fallon was obviously mentioned about assistant manager. I think that has to be given in terms of what he did with Jockstein. There was a shout out from Stephen Lawler, author of Arrival, Beethoven's fan, Jimmy Nichol. Jimmy Nichol's a great shout. Um, also, as well as a player, he had an influence in Scottish football mm-hmm. prior to the nineties. Because remember, it's nineties onwards. There's the one, the, that, the one that the one that speaks to my mind is Martin O'Neill. Yeah, yeah I say Martin O'Neill. Yeah, so what we got, Martin O'Neill, Jimmy Nicol, I, I, I think and, and Sean, oh, in terms of nineties onwards, because Sean Fallon's just a shout out for prior to then. Yeah, I, I think being, Martin, uh, O'Neill man, Martin O'Neill as manager is the only option. Um, he, Josh, he, yeah. you're never getting back on any Rangers associated podcast if you ever were invited <laughs> in the first place. Um, no, but I mean, but I mean, you've got yeah. to appreciate, you know, you've as a neutral, you've got to appreciate what he's done in his football, you know, you know, because you know, he's. He was not just a success at Celtic. It was, he's been a success nearly everywhere he's went. So yeah, he also out of all the other managers that we've mentioned, even including Brendan Rodgers, should be added. Uh, Martin O'Neill was a very very successful player. He was certainly was. Yeah. He certainly was underrated player, I think, from what we, by all accounts. But I think as well, he seemed like a likable guy. You know that way. I think we spoke before at Walter uh, Smith. In terms of that, if we're doing the Rangers Celtic thing. I don't think many people would say a bad word about O'Neill, apart from the fact that he was a bloody good manager. Yeah, you could probably go to most parts of Ireland and most people would like him. <laughs> yeah, which, well, that, there you go. That that's I think, um, speaks volumes Yeah. for him. You'll get like, very few people speak against him. Yeah, so uh, we have got a team. Um, one of these days we might actually tweet these teams out. But I always think if I tweet the team out, then folk might not listen to the end of the podcast because we do it at the end. <laughs> so there we go. Right, Grant, it's been a pleasure having you return. It's been nice to be here. Thank you very much, um, John, for inviting us on. I'm looking forward to seeing you on the Northern Ireland Football Marketing Apprenticeship Programme. <laughs> well, if anybody is listening to this, He's just got to think he's a snappier title, John. <laughs> Aye, that, that was quite long winded, wasn't it? it was but what, what could we get? What what was short and sweet? Oh, I don't know. The the docs, I suppose. The doctor. Oh. The dance Premier League. 
with Graham. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking about the Irish League Chronicles. I don't know. <laughs> oh, there's, a, there's a story. <laughs> like, uh, um, for those that don't already know, Campbell's footballs. How often will you get that a week? Uh, usually twice a week. Um, started doing a kind of review show on the Mondays uh, with uh, someone who is actually on the ground in Northern Ireland. So it's usually a journalist or a fan or a manager uh, oh. in some respects. I've had people like Ryan McConville, who's obviously manager of for, for Farmington in Scotland, who's now obviously in Northern Ireland, now at Larne. Uh, Lauren McCann, who's a very young um, woman who does a lot of really good stuff with uh, Reds by the Minute, Liverpool fan, um, Cliftonville supporter. And also Stephen Crawford, who writes for the Belfast newsletter, does a lot of great stuff there on the Monday. And then the Thursday shows um, or the Friday shows, whenever they come out, are usually by one-to-one interviews with a player, manager or association of a club in the Northern Irish uh, game of some description. Uh, we need to get you back sooner rather than later because it has been a big spell between appearances. No worries. Yes, agreed. Yeah, uh, I'm up for that. A, a, a podcast mashup. Mm, I like the sound of that. With some tunes as well, maybe. Oh, definitely. Oh, wait actually, right, I may as well reveal this just now because we are getting close to Christmas, right? So some people take a, a break over Christmas, not the podcast team. We work hard. We might see Santa. Christmas Day, we might have a bit of boxing on Boxing Day. 28th of December, we are doing a quiz. I know you like a quiz. Now, 28th yep. is not a Monday or Tuesday. I think it's a, well, I don't know what day it is. Wednesday, I think, maybe. No, Tuesday. I think Christmas Day is a Saturday, that's your it? Aye, Tuesday. Can you make the quiz on the 28th? Tuesday's the 28th. That's my dad's birthday. <laughs> oh, happy birthday to your dad when it comes. Right, okay. Right, thank you, Jeff. Solid first appearance. I thought you were slagging the podcast at one point, which is almost a instant dismissal, like Callum Butcher. Oh, no, no, no. He doesn't get instantly dismissed. It's after an investigation. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Josh, you are now a regular, aren't you? You, you are... Stepping up to the plate here, even with the manscaped ad as well. Always, a, always, on the table. always a pleasure, mate. Uh, always, always a pleasure. The, the manscaped thing, uh, <laughs> I'm a bit worried. Just hope my employer doesn't uh, doesn't hear me uh, putting out manscaped ads. How? Is well, it employer uh, Babylon or something like that, or Webington. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. On that note, we should probably end because I think Josh needs to go and see a doctor. Because um, he's coughing up his lungs or laughing too much of a joke. Thank you. Good night. Good afternoon. Good morning. <laughs>